All the crap you can unwrap. All the slime all the time. WQAM. Happy Thursday, August 24. Man, this month is just flying by. It's almost over. Good. And, you know that rumor that you were talking about on Tuesday? Yes, Josh's rumor. About that place across the street? Tire Kingdom. Well, you know, it just dawned on me that, well, I mean, it didn't just dawn on me, but it just keeps uh, bugging me, the fact that that rumor was started by people inside that place, yeah. that establishment over there. So the fact that they're, you know, they got to clean up their own house before they start giving us a song and a dance. Your people have got loose lips, baby. Loose lips. <laughs> and there's nothing worse than a yeah, loose I had a line lip. for that, but we'll I know, keep me too. going. That's what I was thinking about. That's what I was chuckling about. You just keep it to yourself, okay? Mm-hmm. Stuff it. Bag it. Brown bag it. Here's probably the most important story. Forget about uh, wars. Forget about uh, John Carr. Here's the most important story that I've come across in ages. Jeanette, Pennsylvania. And the first word is just one word. It says, Meow. Okay. A district judge has been asked to decide whether meow is a harmless taunt or grounds for misdemeanor harassment. Jeanette Police, that's Jeanette, Pennsylvania, charged a 14-year-old boy for meowing whenever he sees his neighbor, <laughs> 78-year-old Alexandra Carassia. Or is that Carassia? The boy's family and Carassia did not get along. The boy's mother said the family got rid of their cat after Carassia complained to police that it used her flower garden as a litter box. The boy testified this week that he only meowed at the woman twice. Carasia testified every time he sees me, he meows. The boy's defense attorney, David Martin Jr., argued that the charge should be dismissed. I wonder if he's kin to Ray Fisher Jr. This should never have been filed, Martin said. This is not something that police should be wasting their time with or wasting the court's time. Jeanette, the district judge, Joseph D. Marches, decided to wait 90 days before ruling. Well, he's going to give a lot of thought to this. He said his decision will be based on the boy and his neighbor, how they get along in the meantime. Well, they can patch up their meow. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Don't do it. Going to wind up in court, on the people's court. Oh, there's Tropical Storm Debbie. Let's call Debbie and see how that storm's coming. 
is Debbie. <laughs> I love it. I didn't know you had her number. About every time I see. Well, that that thing is going uh, way away. It's tropical storm Debbie. It ain't no thing. Okay. Here's a story that should be a thing, but of course the public are used to people being butchered up because that's just uh, the way the world is. You know, it's a violent, horrible, uh, unjust place. Two U.S. soldiers. In fact, before I even do this, let me give the one quote because I don't want to talk too much about about uh, those two videos that I watched with Noam Chomsky. Okay. I'm serious, because most of the people in the audience would know Noam Chomsky from uh, Noah and the Ark, okay, oh. or Noah's Ark uh, hardware store. But anyway, he had a great line, and uh, it's true. He has a lot of great lines. In fact, George is doing a few of them right now. But the uh, line was, uh, one of the best ways to stop terrorism is to stop participating in it, which I thought he was... Absolutely correct, sir. And then, of course, he goes on and documents all of the grotesque, horrendous things. But, you you know, you saw that movie, Why We Fight. Sure. So the, and then you'll see the trials of Henry Kissinger, which arrived yesterday, I guess. Right. And when you see that and you put two and four together, oh. then you'll, it'll all paint an ugly. Speaking of two, two U.S. soldiers were killed south of Baghdad today, while a series of attacks across the country left at least 11 Iraqis dead and several more wounded. One more U.S. soldier was killed yesterday during a raid to capture foreign terrorists. It's the war on terror. Like the war on honesty, the war on integrity, the war on uh, anything. How can you have a war on an idea? Uh, Just or, or watch. On, or on a plan. By dropping lots of bombs all over the, the world. The war on evil. Yeah. Uh, the war, war on a concept. <laughs> man, you got to hand it to Carl Rove and these lunatics, man. They sure peddle some real heavy-duty crap. And the public just loves it, man. They lap it up. Got some bad news. Celebrity death. Rock drummer Bruce Gary. Or is he? I wonder if that's Boy Gary. Wouldn't that be a shame if he croaked? I bet you Hank would do a Kazatsky right there for you, right in the parking lot. He'd invite everybody in town. He'd go there to P.P. Park right up the street. This might be his drumming right here. Is that Boy Gary? Yeah. That's a medley of their smash, although if you let me do the article, come to find out. I don't Rock drummer Bruce Gary, who worked with George Harrison, Bob Dylan, and Stephen Stills, but is best known as the next original drummer on My Sharona, has died. He was 54. 54. Gary died Tuesday at Tarzana Medical Center, said Guy McCain, publicist for the next lead singer, Doug Figer. Cause of death wasn't disclosed. He was an integral part of our sound, not to mention a great drummer, Figer said in a statement. In addition to the knack, Gary's three-decade career as a drummer and producer included work with a who's who of performers. Besides Harrison, Dylan, and Stills, he recorded with Cream's Jack Bruce, Rod Stewart, Cheryl Crow, uh, Bette Midler, Yoko Ono, uh, Harry Nilsson, and the Doors guitarist Robbie Krieger, according to the website. Gary also worked with blues master Albert Collins, Albert King, and John Lee Hooker, and toured with former Eagles member Randy, Randy, Randy Meisner and Spencer Davis. He also co-produced a series of posthumous releases from Jimi Hendrix, including the Blues Compilation. He also produced a CD of drum samples, Bruce Gray, Gary's uh, drum vocabulary. The drum loops are popular in professional home recording studios where they can be added to any song. They're even more popular than Fruit Loops. On August 3rd, oh, that's the story we were talking about. Figer underwent successful brain surgery. He had two brain tumors removed during operations at Cedar sinai Medical Center. He's now recovering at home. He's just fine. Oh, we're fine. The neck was formed in 1978, and a year later it hit it big with My Sharona. The group's debut album, Get the Neck, sold 6 million copies. That is scary. Followed by a second album, but the little girls understand. I think John Carr liked that one. Little girls understand, which sold 2 million. That is amazing. All these people with too much discretionary cash, if you ask me. Isn't that the problem with that? Why else would they be buying the knack? Hey, get the knack. Maybe they were good. 
Well, that's they good. They had two good songs. What was the other one? Good Girls Don't. We have a oh, bit yeah. based on that. Do we have that? It's uh, called Girls Don't Fart is our bit. Oh, yeah, I know. Oh, well, we can't play that. I don't think there are any fart sounds in it. There aren't. There are no fart sounds, Joyce. And Joyce, stop starting rumors about that business. Well, we were out on our first date. Yeah, I think there might be. I'm not really sure, and I really don't care. Uh, anyway, here's George's poll from yesterday. What makes the least sense? 867 votes on this poll. What makes the least sense? Can't you just see Noam Chomsky speaking at FIU? Noam Up. Or at the University of uh, Miami? Professor Noam Chomsky will be speaking this evening at the University of Miami at the uh, athletic, <laughs> Athletica Department. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What makes the least sense? Braille on the dr- drive-thru at the ATM 213. Well, let me ask you something. Suppose you were driving a blind person through, right? Yeah. And they had to withdraw something. Yeah, what are they going to do? Reach over your lap? You're going to pull through there backwards? No, actually, what you do is you, you ask them for the uh, the pin. Oh, yeah, what a good Get idea. credit card, ask for the pin, then you haul ass. Hey, Blind Mike. 213 people said the Braille on the drive-thru at the ATM. Now, do they actually have Braille on the ATM at the drive-thru? Yes, they do. Get out of here. For I, what? I joice you not. Well, that's the point now, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. Stupid. Stupid things. Stupid people do stupid things. They're all made in a factory. Bombing for peace, 185. You're wrong about that, mister. I'm going to tell you right now. We're going to bomb their ass into democracy whether they like it or not, whether they want it or not. We're going to bomb and bomb until we can't bomb no more. By the way, Israeli helicopters, that's like an oxymoron because Israel doesn't make any helicopters. They're all made in America. Bush administration's foreign policy, 182. And I shouldn't have said that because on our survey today, our survey says, which is not really a poll, it's a survey. Middle East, we already got somebody uh, listening in the Middle East. I sure hope it ain't no crazy Israeli. Uh, let's see. Where are we? Maybe it's some one of them schmata heads in Saudi Arabia, do you think? Could be. Well, that's Maybe they're, we're going to get your ass next. I'm telling you that right now, okay, you Saudis. Don't get smug and fat, okay, because we're going to come and get your ass next. Remember last time Prince Abdullah came here and the Bushmeister told him, uh, get lost. Cox's Tattoos on dark-skinned people, 67. You know, A&E, man, what a sad situation that is. They've got, not only they got inked. But they got that yeah. other guy. What's his name? The Illusionist? Which Come one? On. Chris we were, something. Chris, yeah, Chris Angel. Uh, Angel. There Chris Angel, yeah. He's on for like 75 hours on Wednesday night. He was on last night. Not that I watched it, but I saw it on the uh, guide. I hadn't noticed. This is the same network that gives you like uh, investigative reports and mm-hmm. biography shows. Sure. And they give you like uh, Dog the Bounty Hunter, inked <laughs> with a bunch of grotesque <laughs> tattooed. Uh, and, uh, and now Chris, uh, whatever his name is. Angel. Joe Angel. Non-alcoholic beer, 60. Yeah, what's the point? What is the point of oh, that? Oh, for the taste. <laughs> yeah. That's why people drink beer for the taste, right? The Electoral College, 54. Oh, that's for damn sure. That should have been right up there on the top. It was a late edition. The Golden Glades Flyover, 33. Softcore porn has got... About 30, man. Marriage, 29. And a one-topic radio station, 14. And that's what I voted have, for. Thanks to this show, we don't have that. Right. Although across the street they got that. It's all sports over there at the uh, at the uh, Jiffy Lube. Yes. Isn't that what it is? The Tire Kingdom. Don't yeah, start those hospital. rumors, all you people inside, Stu Gotts and uh, all the other. I, I think it was probably Zach Krantz in his pants. He's probably the one who would have been talking to the big. Oh. Don't you think? I'm trying to figure out who, who it is, who the mole is over there. Send Greg Reed over there. He was always looking for the mole. mole Come to mole, find mole, out mole. it was right there on his. Rectum. But nevertheless, big, big, gigantic, ugly one. We'll get to today's survey. It's not a poll today. It's just a survey. And I think we might get a 1,000 people check in before the uh, 2 o'clock. we got seven, oh, 7.65 already. Piece of cake, baby. Piece of cake like rolling off a log. Cake. 
like Gildy uh, squeaking his way to no! 10 o'clock. This is Neil Rogers. This is 562 AM. Who's going to give Ricky a blow? Contestant number one, what is your name, please? My name is John Mark Carr, and I killed John Bonet Ramsey. Contestant number two, my name is John Mark Carr, and I killed John Bonet Ramsey. Contestant number three, my name is John Mark Carr, and I killed John Bonet Ramsey. One of these men killed John Bonet Ramsey. The other two are imposters. Find out who the real John Mark Carr is, which we all play to play the truth. Now, here's your host, Carl Rowe. Welcome to my English panel, Larry King, Rita Crawley, and Mr. Dick Clark. And now, as head of your Ministry of Truth, let's begin to play with the truth. Miss Crosby. Uh, yes. Yes. Mr. King. <laughs> Contestant number two. That was uh, ten years ago, was it not? Yes. Did you then? Do you now? Have change for a 20. Yes, I do. Here. Yeah. Two fives of a 10 is good. Thanks. It's good. <laughs> Mr. Dick Clark. <laughs> and now, will the real killer of John Bonet Ramsey please stand up? <laughs> oh, we're sorry, ladies and gentlemen. We have another terrorist warning. Remove your shirts and hats. And stay tuned for more theater as we pay the truth. Only fifty dollars. Ten nineteen at five sixty WQAM. Let's see that lineup for today. And of course, today and tomorrow, this is just the wind down Ow! of Greg Reed's nightmare of his living nightmare. They left the legacy that he left in our behind, man. Because starting next Monday, August the twenty eighth, it's going to be a brand new deal, baby. Oh, 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 oh. aren't you excited? I am thrilled like you don't even know. And now that I officially gave up uh, plunging my guts out of woodbine as of yesterday, I finally got the last. Uh, oh, brother, no more for this kid ever again. Fool, don't uh, get started, Josh. Don't uh, get uh, let the beast talk into them slot machines, man. They want our bandits. I know you'll be back it's there in like a total waste weeks. of time. I will not be back. I will not be participating I've heard it in such yeah, schwein arrive. But at any rate, next Monday, October 28th, what is it? August, uh, December, whatever it is. And we got uh, Kenny and uh, Bo in the morning, the Kenny and Bo show. No more crow and no more mo, but we got Kenny and Bo. What do you know? And, of course, that's what we're told by Joe, Joe right. Mama. And what, what's that going to be all about? What are they going to be doing in the morning? I asked George this before. He said it's going to be an amusing sports show. And I said, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, what's it going to be? Do I we know? You. you thought I was kidding? Oh, don't tell me it's going to be another sports show. Of course. I thought Kenny Walker was from Y100. Uh, Kenny and Footy didn't. I never heard uh, Kenny on the air, I don't think. But they didn't do a sports show. I'm going to bring they people in here to do a show. show. Nobody wants to do another stupid-ass sports show for Oh, Christ's that's sake. where you're wrong, mister. 800 votes even. Well, they're not votes. They're like uh, tallies right. on today's survey. Not a poll today. It's a survey. And, you know, I was kind of curious about this. I think it's mildly interesting. It may not be like earth-shaking, earth-shattering, certainly not as interesting as Lionel there at MSNBC. What I'm saying simply is that... No, who, who's that other guy on there? That dark-complected guy. Okay, here's the deal. Where are you usually when you listen to the Neil Rogers show, either on the ear or, of course, on the Internet? It's the most interesting part. Leading the way is... <laughs> 246 say they're in Broward when they listen. 178 in day. That's that's almost even Stephen. Mm -hmm. We're always being brainwashed into believing that the overwhelming majority of our audience is in. Well, oh, guess what? Now, of course, some of those people in day they may be working day, but they live in Broward, like you, for Correct. example. Both that's of you, right. or vice right? versa, I would imagine. Meaning what? That there are people there are who live people in day and work in, uh, in Broward. I mean, it's got to happen. Oh no. You think they like they have a visa to get across the uh, border? 
That's and daylight hours? It's called the Sun Path. Broward, 246. Dade, 178. Palm Beach, 113. How do you like that? That is shocking. Florida, outside of those three counties, 102. Outside of the tri-county area, 102. USA, outside of Florida, 78. In other words, like uh, Wisconsin, Washington, huh? like in Sheboygan, wherever. Massachusetts, Vermont, New York, Pennsylvania, etc. Virginia. I don't listen, 28. Now, you kind of like uh, chuckled when you saw that this morning. Yeah. No, no you're the right. Reason, the reason I put that on there is that there are people who go to our website who either they don't listen because they can't or they're at work or whatever, but they still peruse our website. They vote on the poll. They read the stories. Maybe what all that, these that, things. That is correct. You know what I'm saying? That is all correct. these things. So they don't get to listen or they don't sure. want to listen. Maybe they just hate the show. Or their computer doesn't have speakers hooked up to it. Or that, a whole variety of things. So we, we always like to give people a place to go, and especially with our callers. <laughs> we, in fact, I gave the callers a place to go yeah. to, and that is back wherever they've got because I already shut the thing off. I'll give them directions. I don't have any time for that cockerai today. Hi. Yeah, no way. I don't listen 28. In outer space, 22. And speaking of, you just said it. That's one of them. <laughs> Out of this world. In outer space. Chamba. Oh, yeah. 22 said that. I hate this poll. Only 13. Well, how can you hate it? It's not even a poll. It's a survey. How can But, you know, not for me to ask. Remember what I said, what uh, uh, Noam Chomsky said. What did he say? The best way to stop terrorism is oh. to stop participating in Well, he just, he's so good, it's scary. And, and they, you know what's really scary, though? Is he and Cora Vidal are both about 100 years old, and they're going to both be dead pretty soon? And then what? Then we what we got left besides well, Gelding? Nobody listening to either one of them anyway. So. <coughs> what do you mean by that? Well, you're watching the lectures, but, I mean, is anybody... Well, certainly not at the University of Miami. Uh, let's see. I hate this poll 13. Canada, A, which means me and seven other Canadian, uh, A. Eight people listening in Canada. Mexico, four. How do you like that? See, you're always picking on those poor beaners down there. we got four people listening in Mexico, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, why are you picking on the beaners? You're just jealous. Oh, yes. You're just That's jealous. Right. You know it. You wish that you had a country where people could go and get kidnapped and never be seen again. I wish I had square feet and a moon face. Europe. Europe 3. See, you're obsessed with feet. I don't know what it is with you. you got a foot fetish. Always talking yeah, about right. feet. Europe 3. Asia 2. The Middle East 1. The Middle East 1. Oy. How do you like that? I bet you it's in Saudi Arabia. I bet Prince Abdullah is listening right now. Or maybe Bandar Bush is listening right now. Or maybe Ehud Olmert, one of our appointed terrorists uh, in, in charge over there in Israel. Maybe he's listening. Middle East one. Africa one. Now, you see, I'm not really sure. Um, you better you better Google it. Google what? Excuse Africa? me for being so ignorant. Well, listen, I don't feel bad because you're ignorant, too, about it. I asked you if Saudi Arabia is considered in Asia or Africa. I think it's part of Asia. I think you might be right. But I'm not sure because if you look on the map, now certainly Egypt. Although, now, wait a minute. What about the Middle East? I don't think it's See, a continent. See, you never put the Middle East on there. Middle East is not what? It's a region, not a continent. But you've got other areas on there. Middle East one, Africa one, South America one. How do you like that? We got somebody in South America, probably in Brazil, no doubt. Australia and Central America, we don't have anybody. And of course, since the U.S. did such a good job of bombing Nicaragua and Panama and destroying most of Central America, those poor schleppers can't—they've uh, got no internets. 832 have checked in. We'll have that thousand easy by 11:30, wouldn't you say? Or by whatever, by noon, sure. whatever. Just when you thought things were, were making a little bit of progress, of course, progress is a dirty word in George Bush's America. Don't forget, SBTC stands for Stupid Bush Terrorizes the Constitution, or Stupid Bu or uh, Simpleton Bush Terrorizes the Country, or all of these uh, All of these things. Cushata, Tennessee. This is in the Shreveport Times. Oh, I'm sorry, not Tennessee, it's Louisiana. Where did I get Tennessee from? Well, it's the same crap. It just flows downstream. This is in the Shreveport, Louisiana Times. 
Koshada, Kushada. Nine black children attending Red River Elementary School were directed last week to the back of the bus, the back of the school bus, by a white driver who designated the front seats for white children. The situation has outraged relatives of the black children who have filed a complaint with school officials. Superintendent Kate Easley will meet with the family members in her orifice this morning. She's probably meeting right now. The National Association of the NAACP is also considering filing a formal charge with the U.S. Department of Justice. NAACP District Vice President James Panel of Shreveport said he would apprise justice attorneys on the situation this week. He's considering asking for an investigation of the bus incident and other aspects of the school system's operations, including pupil-teacher ratio as it relates to the numbers of white and black children, along with a breakdown of the numbers of black and white teachers employed in it. If the smoke is there, then there's probably fire somewhere else, Pennell said in a phone interview from New Orleans. We fought that battle 50 years ago, and we won. Why is this happening again? And you know who's rotting in her grave? She just died, as a matter of fact, didn't she? Rosa? Rosa Parks. I wonder if she was kin to Burt Parks. I always ask that, and nobody ever answered the question. Either. MacArthur Parks. Oh, is that it? Well, I sure like that. That was always a good way to start your morning show, man, with MacArthur Park, when you had to go and finish with all your bodily functions. You know what it. Was it like seven and a half minutes long, something like yes, that? Yes, it was. Either that or uh, Derek and the Dominoes and Layla. How long is that, baby? Did you uh, Google you know. Saudi Arabia? I, it's not Asia, nor is it Europe, so I'm finding where it is. No, I didn't say Europe. I said Africa. It's certainly not Europe. Saudi yeah. Arabia and Europe. You better start learning your Middle Eastern head geography, mister, because you sure as hell don't know it. Europe, yeah, my American. ass. Well, there's those two Fox guys. They're still, uh, they still got service. Well, that'll teach them to work at Fox, those propagandist bastards. 27 past 10. Do you know that the clip that we got on our website from uh, Keith Olbermann? Well, the Southern Remember, map has it on Asia. That's what I told you. Remember what uh, we played it a couple of days or last week? Yes. yes. I had you play it? Yes. And we put it on our website, the link to it called, uh, called uh, where is it? Uh, the Nexus of Politics and Power. That went over so big that he, they replayed it on the show two nights ago. Good. They replayed that whole clip about all the lies, the phony terror alerts. Uh, just keep everybody in a total state of panic. The fear factor. It's not a TV show. It's a political philosophy, baby. It's a strategy. Like the war on terror. 28 after 10, Lobster Fest is back every Friday through Sunday at the Emerald Coast. You know, if the world really is coming to an end, if Armageddon's coming soon, you might as well pig out, right? What do you got to lose? I mean, all right. Absolutely. So head for the Emerald Coast. They're in Sunrise, in Pembroke Pines, and also in beautiful Sunny Isles Beach. You'll find over 100 different items on the menu, so try them all. Start out with some of their six gourmet soups or sample all of them. Then go for the juicy, delicious New York steak grilled just to your order the way you love it. There's hand-carved prime rib, a sushi bar, and all the traditional Asian dishes, as well as a salad bar and a bar. So much food there, you won't even know what to dig into next. And their dessert bar is really great during the weeks, but, uh, during the weeknights. But on the weekends, the 40-inch chocolate fountain at the Emerald Coast will make your mouth water. You'll just be hand-dipping, sticking all kinds of amazing decadent things in there, like strawberries, marshmallows, cheesecake, and other great treats and loads of milk chocolate for dessert. A perfect ending to a fantastic feast at the Emerald Coast. And don't forget, no uh, MSG headaches when you walk out of this joint because they don't use any MSG or cornstarch or any crap. They use only the best ingredients, including cholesterol-free canola oil and all the cooking. So if you want a fabulous feast, just go in there. Just go in there when they open the door and just stay there until they kick your whole ass out and the whole family. Bring the family to the Emerald Coast for a real fantastic treat. 954 572 is the number for reservations. And don't forget, every Friday through Sunday, Lobster Fest is back at the Emerald Coast. 954-572-3822. This is Neil Rogers. This is 560 QAM. 
Cinco de Mayo. The Mexican national holiday. Some stations are giving away trips to Cancun. Some are giving away trips to Mexico City. But we're bringing Mexico to you. That's right. We're giving away Mexican. Real live Mexican. Ay, caramba. We'll be smuggling illegal aliens across the border in the wheel well of the station van. Then we'll give one to you. Imagine your own personal Mexican. They'll wash your car. Clean your house. Pick your crop. Anything you want. Because if they don't, you'll have them deported. Adios, amigo. Be the tenth caller when you hear this sound. And win a Mexican. Members of this station and their families are not eligible to own Mexicans. Bathing and delousing of Mexicans is winner's responsibility. Station assumes no liability for infectious diseases carried by Mexicans. Celebrate Cinco de Mayo in your own home. Every day. With your very own Mexican. People listening to win. How do you like that? We got Cinco, baby. El Cinco de uh, whatever. De Augusto. Five Mexicans are listening uh, right now. Or at least they listen most of the time when they're like uh, wherever they are. In I Chihuahua. Why do you have such hatred for the Mexicans? I don't, I don't hate the Mexicans. Yeah, the hell you don't. Oh. Make all these grotesque... You, know, you, you Julios, man, well, can't you get your act together? You remind me of the Jews. It's the same thing. And the Arabs. Same Julios. We got the Shiites, and we got the Sunnis, and we got the Kurds, and everybody hates the Kurds. And then we got the Orthodox and the Super-Orthodox. What was the, the Heredi? Remember that story I had about the Heredi one? Right. Uh, offering uh, 20,000 shekels to kill some faggot at a gay pride parade? Mm-hmm. Really nice. Very nice. Look, I got nothing against the Native Americans at all, including the There Mexicans. you go, picking on the Indians again, too. That's what the Mexicans are. If you ask me, I think you're a... Indian killer. Oh, don't play that anymore. <laughs> you know, if this audience had any idea of all the don'ts, you know, there's that old thing about do's and don'ts. We don't get any do's, we just get don'ts. Don't play this, and don't say that, no, and no, no, don't no, play no, that no, drop no, anymore, no, because no. it's a no, no. Well, no. screw you guys, okay? Screw you. We're sitting here with an eight chair on a radio, and men on a radio station that's got like decimal points in front of most of their numbers, and I'm trying to put the, you know, change the whole lineup again to try to resuscitate what Greg Reed destroyed. We're sitting here with, like, gigantic numbers in the middle of a, a, a radio cesspool. And you're, I'm going to take instructions from a bitch named Joyce who wouldn't know a radio if you stuck 40 of them up her Rectum. ass. Screw you, Joyce. Your mama. And not only that, but I hear that there's a people going on a business march first. Anyway, let's see. Survivor plays the race card. They're, they're, this is the debate they had on there this morning on MSNBC where yeah. you always get the MS. Not. From the oh, no, they didn't files, it says, let's see, this story is in the uh, Toronto Star. Oh, well, what do they know? The latest twist in reality television is segregation. All right. right. See, it's just like that story we had before about the black kids going to the back of the bus. Let's turn the clock back, baby. That's what the Bush crowd wants to do. Turn it back 50 years. Right? Maybe not 50, but at least. About 30, man. CBS announced details for the upcoming season of Survivor Cook Islands yesterday. The winner premieres September 14th. Viewers may wonder if they've tumbled through a crack in the space-time continuum. Ooh. Isn't that what Howard Beale was talking about, the space-time continuum, when he was, uh, before he passed out for the All the time. time. Continually. He had this uh, great uh, contact with nature and birds and all this other crap. <laughs> he was so good. What a shame Peter Finch died, you know? That'd be a good poll to take someday. What a shame that so Blank died. Yeah. So, Mel Blank? Soon. Yeah, Mel Blank died. He did die. Yes, he did. See that? Mm-hmm. Just about anybody you mention, they're dead. Just like that drummer from the Knack. We have a knack of uh, talking about dead people on this show. We don't want to hear about any more old dead celebrity. Well, too bad. Then go someplace else, okay? Go turn over to uh, Scare America and listen to their crap. Listen to Al Franken and <laughs> Catherine Lyon. Yeah, he's funny. Yeah. She's not on there anymore. Oh, isn't she? I can't understand why. She's almost as entertaining as Rita Crosby. <gasps> yeah. 
You know, I can't, on I can't the cover of the National Enquirer. Oh, no. Well, I better go out and get that today, you know, the Enquirer. Then uh, for Tuesday, I'll have that. Speaking of Jackie Mason. Couldn't get over it that this top man from the whole mafia is following me around. I knew he wasn't trying to kill me, so I figured he must be enjoying my act. After shows, <laughs> Mason would join Lansky and his friends at their table. He loved the power. I could see he loved the power, because when people sat around him with that worshipful look on their faces, you could tell that he knew he was the boss, and he acted. I used to say to him, how much money do you really have? I, I, I swear to you by my life, I'll keep my mouth shut. And he would laugh and change the subject, or give me a hug, or give me a kibitz, and uh, I could never find out anything. <laughs> what a shame. That's my vote for the new president of Israel is Jackie Mason. What do you say? Sure. sure. I think it's a hell of a capital idea. The 20 contestants on Survivor Cook Islands will be divided into four tribes. There you go right there. We were talking about this before the show today, about the tribal rivalries and hatreds and killing and all of these uh, all of these things. things. That's what the world's all about, tribes, along ethnic lines. That's right. After watching Survivor plunge to all-time lows in the ratings and buzz last season, Wiley Mark Burnett hopes to reignite passions with a good old-fashioned race war. Black tribe, white tribe, Latino tribe, Asian tribe, survivors ready, let the social Darwinism begin. wonder what Ann Coulter would think about that. The eyebrow-raising plan was discussed by uh, two Caucasians yesterday on the early show as survivor host Jeff Probst dodged surprisingly pointed questions. Well, that's probably one of the reasons it'll be interesting and controversial, said Probst. I know from where I sit, I found it and find it to be one of the freshest ideas we've had. It says, fresh, what's next? Marathon tribe versus amputee tribe? Supermodel tribe versus morbidly obese tribe? Myopic tribe versus 2020 tribe? I like that one. Myopic, uropic. Oh. Biopic. Smith said some of his colleagues groaned after hearing Survivor was playing the race card. Then he realized the interview was supposed to be a squishy CBS cross-promotion and encouraged Probst to defend the idea. I think at first glance, when you just hear it, it could sound like a stunt probe said, but that's not what we're doing here. The idea for this actually came from the criticism that Survivor was not ethnically diverse or perverse enough. It says if Survivor really wants to refute quota-obsessed critics, probes should uh, just state a simple fact. 80% of all applicants are white. So if you want more diversity on Survivor, uh, get uh, more of these uh, marginal people, I mean these minorities, to sure. apply. Right, and the bottom line is all they need to do is show more flesh. That's what they, you know, that's what they need, and that's what people want. That's right. Well, the, the only good reality show that was ever on was the uh, Am I Hot or Are You Hot or Is sure. It Hot? Uh, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, then it was on ABC, and then they they yanked it. Well, I'm sure they weren't the only ones. They took it off the air before uh, it had a chance to really do anything. I don't know why, because it was a good show. They didn't pretend to be I, anything else but a flesh, but a meat. I, to, I told you why. That's what I'm. Why? Why did they? Because take it Lorenzo off? Lamas used a laser pointer, which ripped off Howard Stern, and he threatened to sue, and therefore they yanked it. Oh, I know. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Guess who got Howard Stern yesterday? I give up. Gilbert. Yeah, let me give you a clue. He's got a white beard, and he's uh, an APAC shill. And he's on CNN before Lou Dobbs. Santa Claus. That's the one. <laughs> Wolf Blitzkrieg, baby, got he got uh, stern yesterday. I, I got home just in time. I turned on the TV, and he's doing a thing, a breathless thing, where they got some broad on the phone who uh, has inside information about John Mark Carr and John Benet, and she's got uh, info that nobody else has got. And she's got, and she comes on. She's got some made-up name. And this chick comes on the phone, and Wolf is asking her, Well, uh, it's so wonderful having you here in my pedantic way. And let me ask you, what do you know? What can you add to our understanding of uh, John Mark Carr? And she starts going on, she says, Well, and she starts really breathless, you know, like, a, like it's a legitimate call. And she says, Well, the real story is that uh, John told me that he was told by Howard Stern to kill John Bonet. 
Yeah, and at that point, of course, they cut her off. And, and Wolf went on to tell the audience that we just got, as they say in the business, Howard Stern, and we apologize very much <laughs> to the audience for getting uh, uh, sucked into that phony. But uh, we thank you very much for your call anyway. He actually said that. We reminded me of Mike Siegel talking about pedantic and uh, Jewish. Just ridiculous. He actually said that. Bye. Thank you very much for your crank call on CNN Worldwide. Wolf Blitzkrieg gets Stern. Nice call. See, this is one of those situations where I appreciate that Stern had somebody call in and at least break up the uh, monotony a little bit of the sure. John Mark car crap. That's the time you Stern somebody. Not when there's like buildings falling down and people, thousands of people dying. That's probably not the most opportune or intelligent time to be calling in doing a Stern routine. Hey, you idiots. You, you just fools you. Don't have a sense of humor. Now, that must be it. I'm just an old fuddy-duddy. That's just right. Old, uh, yeah, that's right. Wet Wallflower. Wallflower or some other flower like pansy. 1042 at 560 WQM. Let me tell you right now, man, there's a lot of schmutz in your carpeting. Even if you don't, even the Arabs know that, that there's schmutz in the carpet. That's why they make sure that they're clean all the time before they get down on their hands and knees. You know what I'm saying? What are you saying? If you want to get down and pray, you want to make sure your carpets are clean. Anyway, no matter what kind of carpets you got, whether it's your area rugs or your vault of all or whatever carpeting you got, it gets a lot of stuff in there because people are walking on it and your pets are doing God only knows what on it. Call our friends at Dry Concepts for over 21 years. They've been doing my homes and over 28 years all told in all of South Florida. Your carpets stay cleaner longer when they dry clean them for you because there's no sticky residue left behind. And they've got over 50,000 satisfied customers, so you know they've been doing a lot of things right for a long, long time. When you call Dry Concepts, you really can clean today and entertain tonight. And don't forget, hurricane season is here. And keep in mind that Dry Concepts are also the experts in water damage restoration. Their certified technicians get you out of the mold zone in just minutes, not days. And Dry Concepts can get your home or business dry within 24 to 72 hours. It's guaranteed. And don't forget, Dry Concepts also has got that state-of-the-art oriental rug cleaning plant. It's the only one in town right on site dedicated to keeping your expensive and expansive area rugs looking just like you had brand new laid. So do yourself a humongous favor. Keep everything looking beautiful and brand new and Keep it uh, sanitary, too, by calling Dry Concepts. And Dave Broward of the Palm Beaches, call them toll-free, 1-800-248-5071. That's 1-800-248-5071. Or on the Wicked Web, just log on to dryconcepts.com. This is Neil Rogers. <laughs> this is 560 QAM. Get the honey, Junior. Despicable, nasty, and Oh, do you know what they tried to cure uh, William Henry Harrison with when he got pneumonia, which turned into pleurisy? Well, he got a bad cold because he got inaugurated in the uh, cold and wind, and they tried to show how butch he was. You know, he was still Tippy Canoe. Right. Well, the reason I looked up William Henry Harrison is because he was 68. He was the oldest uh, president elected until Reagan, who was 69. Mm -hmm. 
And the reason I'm talking about that is because there's a thing about John McCain. Uh, later this month, like in about five days, John McCain turns 70, which oh means in 2008 God. he would be 72. Too old, man. Mm -hmm. Too old. Oldie and moldy. What is that? What? Uh-oh. Fire? Arab attack? Oh, they're having another one of these uh, stupid ass. Yeah, we, we don't care what they're doing. What I don't want to hear about it. Can I close the door here? Can I close the door on my floor? Yeah, I'll play my Sharona. Hey, the drummer for the knack is dead. Anyway, uh, getting back to the treatment, the, the doctors tried everything to cure William Henry Harrison, including opium, castor oil, Virginia snake weed, and Woo! even actual snakes. They, even got, they got some of that snake weed left? I wonder if they had snakes on a plane back then. What, no well, reason? Two baseball teams are sued for women-only freebies. So is no. it discrimination, though, or is it just smart marketing? If you have a It's discrimination, bitch. Women-only freebies my ass. Anyway, here's the uh, poll so far, the survey. Where are you usually when you listen to the Neil Rogers Show, either on the air, if you can hear us with this horrible signal, or online? You do realize that we have uh, people listening online in Dayton Broward. Yeah. Because they hear it crystal clear that way as opposed to <laughs> that great HD uh, audio sound that we got that we're putting out. Broward 274, day 206, Palm Beach 125, Florida, outside of Dayton Broward in Palm Beach 118, like in Okaloosa. I wonder if we have anybody listening like in Takutami. Uh, to what? USA you? outside of Florida 91. Don't start with those Canadian towns, man. we got okay. some really, I like Boy. Medicine Hat myself. Moose Jaw. That's where Robbie Niedemeyer is from and the Scott Niedemeyer Moose, uh, from Medicine Hat. USA outside of Florida 91. I don't listen 29. In outer space 23, and we know which 23 they are too. I hate this pull only 13. They hate whatever it is. Whatever we do, they hate it. Canada, look how many people are listening in Canada. Nine. Eight plus me. Mexico, five. Europe, four. Africa, two. Oh, my God. I wonder if they're in the Congo, you think? Maybe they're in Zaire, Africa. Doesn't that shock you? Maybe they're in South Africa, wouldn't you think? It's a big place. I mean, there's some civilized people living in South Africa. Maybe in Egypt. Oh, Egypt, my ass. Yeah, maybe Hosni Mubarak is listening. Asia, two. Australia, one. The Middle East, one. South America, one. And Central America, out of 904 people checking in on a uh, survey, none. It's kind of like the Jerry Witzner show. It's Chubby checking in. Oh, hi, Jerry. It's Chubby checking in. Boy, that was some really great radio, wasn't it? No. Wow. <laughs> oh, those are the days, man. WNWS, W Snooze. Wow. Here's some exciting news. Just in only a short while ago, women may buy the morning after pill. We don't want to get too newsy on you or have me sit here and read a bunch of stuff, but I will. I already shut the monitor off. I'm not taking any calls today. So all you children out there that want to like play games, George is going to be taking extra calls tomorrow. He's going to come on a half hour early and stay till midnight just so we can get all the good calls in. Oh, boy. Women may buy the morning after pill without a prescription, but only with proof they're 18 or older. Federal health officials ruled today capping a contentious three-year effort to ease access to the emergency contraceptive. Girls 17 and younger still will need a doctor's note to buy the pills called Plan B, the FDA told manufacturer Bar Pharmaceuticals, Inc. The compromised decision is a partial victory for women's advocacy and medical groups that say eliminating sales restrictions could cut in half the nation's 3 million annual unplanned pregnancies. Pope's probably not too happy about that. Barra said it hopes to begin non-prescription sales of Plan B by the end of the year. The pills will be sold only. I wonder if B stands for Bush. Ooh, gee, that was bad. I take that back. The pills will be sold only from behind the counter at pharmacies so the pharmacist can check photo ID, but not at convenience stores or gas stations. Speaking of gas stations, thank you again, Mr. President, for those bargain basement gas prices. Now, do I have time now before the uh, break? No, it's yeah. too long. No, I'll take the break early. 
No, because I got a column here on the U.S. Israeli invasion of Lesbanon by Noam Chomsky. Well, see, I'm all Noam Chomsky'd up now. I haven't watched those two DVDs the last two nights of his uh, uh, lectures at uh, MIT and uh, UC Berkeley and other places, you know, mm-hmm. bastions of intellectual activism, <laughs> like the University of Miami and Miami Dade and uh, FAU, all of these places. On the U.S. and of course, all the professional uh, Zionists and Israel apologists out there will want to turn the radio off when I read that. Also, they want to turn it off when I read David Fickling's column from the Guardian. Amnesty report accuses Israel of war crimes. Wouldn't be the first time, and it certainly won't be the last time. You know that the first time they went into Lesbonon, well, it wasn't the first time, but the first time they went in big time, eighty-two, they killed twenty thousand Lesbonese civilians. Well, they shouldn't have attacked them. That's correct. And then, of course, we got the Tom Cruise business. What is? Oh, I, I guess I just got time for this quickie before we uh, do the break. Oh, there, there it is. Somebody help me! <laughs> I got my claim right away, and I was actually able to enjoy my Thanksgiving. Mashed potatoes, gravy, and cranberry sauce! <laughs> like I said, I have no idea about their insurance, but man, their spots are the best. If it isn't the Aflac duck, it's the uh, uh-huh. it's Richard. And then there's the one with the, who's the other one? Uh, Charo. Do you have Charo? Seen I've seen them all, yeah. Hoochie Coochie. And the, and the guy I never got kind of tired of her from the Hollywood Squares, but then, you know, when you don't see her for about 30 years, about 30, mm-hmm. man. She, uh, that's a pretty funny spot. They've done one with Burt Bacharach. Oh, yeah, I've seen that, too. Yeah, he's pretty boring. And that movie guy. The movie guy? The one that does the voice for all the movie trailers, you know, in a world. That oh, guy. I haven't seen that. Oh, it's good. The Dutch government says, and of course, not that there's panic, you understand. People are getting, like, all on edge. Amsterdam, Schiphol Airport, baby, been there about 100 times. The incident in which a Northwest Airlines flight bound for injury returned to Amsterdam shortly after takeoff yesterday was not terrorism-related, the Dutch state broadcaster said today. What a surprise, huh? Well, when you see a bunch of ragheads in there with a, a, a bunch of cell phones passing them back and forth, you know, and doing paper, uh, scissors, uh, rock, paper, scissors. Wednesday's flight was escorted back to Schiphol Airport by Dutch fighter jets after the crew of the DC-10 became suspicious of some of the passengers, and 12 people aboard were arrested. But NOS News quoted Justice Minister Pete Hein Donner as saying there were no signs of a terrorist threat aboard the flight. There was much to do about nothing. Which most of this stuff has much to do about nothing. But keep the people on edge, baby. Keep them in a panic. It's the fear factor. That's what the right-wingers are looking for. And the uh, Blairmeister. Bush's poodle. Yeah, he's got those other two ugly dogs that are all schlepping around on the White House lawn. You, know, you always see in the photo ops. But he's also got a poodle, which, uh, you know, Tony Blair. Wouldn't you go on vacation if you thought there was going to be like a major terrorist attack and they were going to blow up ten planes? Wouldn't you go on vacation? Or would you go to Sarasota and read uh, My Pet Go to a bunch of little kids? Oh, that's a, that sounds like a fun vacation. Yeah. You get to see some body parts flying around, maybe some of yours. Yeah, well, I heard, here's the story about the meowing. Well, the family and the lady have apparently been feuding for a while now, especially after yeah. the family cat used the woman's flower garden as a litter box. Oh, yeah. We had that story before we beat you, MSNBC. No wonder nobody watches your crappy network. I think we're going to get a thousand. What do we got? Nine thirty, nine hundred and about thirty, man. By uh, eleven thirty, didn't I predict that earlier? Yes, you did. We'll have over a thousand people on there, and, and that probably is the whole audience. This is Neil Rogers. Not bad. This is compared to that uh, Jiffy Lube across the street. This is the Neil Rogers Show. <laughs> this is your brain. Any questions? 
I'm telling you, Moses was the wisest man. Ha, what are you, Meshuggah? Abraham was the wisest. I'm telling you, Moses. No, I say Abraham. Moses. Abraham. Gentlemen, gentlemen. What? Let us rest. Amen to that. After a hard day arguing religious law, these thirsty scholars head for their favorite refreshments. Israel Light Beer. Israel Light. Smooth as lox and cream cheese. And it tastes great. But Lester Fillin. Tastes great. Lester Fillin. Don't be a slimy. Israel Light. The beer chosen by the chosen people. So what's your favorite word? Shlemiel, Shmagegi, or Schmendrick? What? So, so many. What? Shlemiel, Shmagegi. Shmagegi. Or Schmendrick. You better get a brush up on your Yiddish, Mr. Oh, sorry. Talk to hoist. Ephraim in Baton Rouge, Louisiana says, Where did you find the article about the black kids being forced to the back of the school bus? Oh, I just made it up, Ephraim. We do that all it's the time. In the, it's in the Shreveport Times, Shreveport, Louisiana, baby. It's in today's newspaper by Vicki Wellborn, W-E-L-B-O-R-N. Cushada, Louisiana. C-O-U-S-H. I don't think we can say that. Anything no. with S-H. Cushada. It's filthy in Spanish. Louisiana. Is it really? No, no, no. Probably. Also, it says, by the way, I love Noam Chomsky's August 19th piece on the U.S.-Israeli invasion of Lebanon was brilliant. Well, guess what, Ephraim? Uh, Ephraim Zimbalos, Jr.? I don't know too many Ephraims, but we got the one in Louisiana who's a big fan. All right. We got, look at this, we got two people in Central America. Oh, yeah, I feel like uh, maybe they're in Guatemala or Nicaragua huh? or Panama. By the way, Bush 1 did a hell of a job on Nicaragua, man. There's almost nothing left of it. You never recognize it. Noam Chomsky on the U.S.-Israeli invasion of Lebanon. He says, though there are many interesting, interacting factors, the immediate issue that lies behind the latest U.S.-Israeli invasion of Lebanon remains, I believe, what was in the four preceding invasions, the Israel-Palestine conflict. In the most important case, the devastating U.S.-backed 1982 Israeli invasion was openly described in Israel as a war for the West Bank, undertaken to put an end to annoying PLO calls for diplomatic settlement with a secondary goal of imposing a client regime in Lebanon. There are numerous other illustrations. Despite the many differences in circumstances, the July 2006 invasion falls generally into the same pattern. Among mainstream American critics of Bush administration policies, the favorite version is that we always had approach conflict between Israel and its neighbors in a balanced way, assuming that we could be a catalyst for an agreement. But Bush, who regrettably abandoned that neutral stance, causing great problems for the U.S., Middle East specialist and former diplomat Edward Walker, a leading moderate, said that. The actual record is quite different. For over 30 years, Washington has unilaterally barred a peaceful political settlement with only slight and brief deviations. The consistent rejectionism can be traced back to the February 71 Egyptian offer of a full peace treaty with Israel in the terms of official U.S. policy offering nothing for the Palestinians. Israel understood that this peace offer would put an end to any security threat, but the government decided to reject security in favor of expansion, then mostly in the northeastern Sinai. Washington supported Israel's stand, adhering to Kissinger's principle of stalemate force, not diplomacy. It was only eight years later, after a terrible war and great suffering, that Washington agreed to Egypt's demand for withdrawal from its territory. Meanwhile, the Palestinian issue had entered the international agenda, and a broad international consensus had crystallized in favor of a two-state settlement on the pre-June 67 border, perhaps with minor and mutual adjustments. In December 75, the U.S. Security Council agreed to consider a resolution proposed by the Arab confrontation states with these provisions, also incorporating the basic wording of UN 242. The U.S. vetoed the resolution. Israel's reaction was to bomb Lebanon, killing over 50 people in Natabia, calling the attack preventative, presumably to prevent the U.N. session, which Israel boycotted. 
The only significant exception to consistent U.S. Israeli rejectionism was in January 2001 when Israeli and Palestinian negotiators came close to agreement in Taba. But the negotiations were called off by Israeli Prime Minister Barak four days early, ending that promising effort. Unofficial but high-level negotiations continued, leading to the Geneva Accord of December 2002 with similar proposals. It was welcomed by most of the world, but rejected by Israel and dismissed by Washington, and reflexively the U.S. media and intellectual classes. Meanwhile, U.S.-backed Israeli settlement and infrastructure programs have been creating facts on the ground in order to undermine potential realization of Palestinian national rights. Throughout the Oslo years, these programs continued steadily with a sharp peak in 2000, Clinton's final year, and Barack's. The current euphemism for these programs is disengagement from Gaza and convergence in the West Bank in Western rhetoric, Ehud Olmert's courageous program of withdrawal from the occupied territories. The reality, as usual, is quite different. The Gaza disengagement was openly announced as a West Bank expansion plan. Having turned Gaza into a disaster area, sane Israeli hawks realized that there was no point leaving a few thousand settlers taking the best land and scare resources, protected by a large part of the IDF. It made more sense to send them to the West Bank and Golan Heights, where new settlement programs were announced, while turning Gaza into the world's largest prison, as Israeli human rights groups accurately call it. West Bank convergence formalizes these programs of annexation, cantonization, and imprisonment. With decisive U.S. support, Israel is annexing valuable lands and the most important resources of the West Bank, primarily water, while carrying out settlement and infrastructure projects that divide the shrinking Palestinian territories into unviable cantons, virtually separated from one another and from whatever pitiful corner of Jerusalem will be left to the Palestinians. All are to be imprisoned as Israel takes over the Jordan Valley and, of course, any other access to the outside world. All of these programs are recognized to be illegal in violation of numerous Security Council resolutions and the unanimous decision of the World Court any part of the separation wall that is built to defend the settlements is ipso facto illegal. Hence, about 80 to 85 percent of the wall is illegal, as is in the entire convergence program. But for a self-designated outlaw state and its clients, such factors are minor irrelevances. Currently, the U.S. and Israel demand that Hamas accept the 2002 Arab League Beirut proposal for full normalization of relations with Israel after withdrawal in accord with the international consensus. The proposal has long been accepted by the PLO. It has also been formally accepted by the supreme leader of Iran, Ayatollah Khamenei. Sayed Hassan Nasrallah also made it clear that Hezbollah would not disrupt such an agreement if it's accepted by the Palestinians. Hamas has repeatedly indicated its willingness to negotiate in these terms. The facts are doctrinally unacceptable, hence mostly suppressed. What we see instead is the stern warning to Hamas by the editors of the New York Times that their formal agreement to the Beirut peace plan is an admission ticket to the real world, a necessary rite of passage in the progression from a lawless opposition to a lawful government. Like others, the New York Times editors fail to mention that the U.S. and Israel forcefully reject this proposal and are alone in doing so among relevant factors, actors. Furthermore, they reject it not merely in rhetoric, but far more importantly in deeds. We see at once who constitutes the lawless opposition and who speaks for them, but that conclusion cannot be expressed, even entertained, in respectable circles. The only meaningful support for Palestinians facing national destruction is from Hezbollah. For this reason alone, it follows that Hezbollah must be severely weakened or destroyed, just as the PLO had to be evicted from Lebanon in 82. But Hezbollah is too deeply embedded within Lebanese society to be eradicated, so Lebanon too must be largely destroyed. An expected benefit for the U.S. and Israel was to enhance the credibility of threats against Iran by eliminating a Lebanese-based deterrent to a possible attack. But none of this turned out as planned. Much as in Iraq and elsewhere, Bush administration planners have created catastrophes even for the interests they represent. That's the primary reason for the unprecedented criticism of the administration among foreign policy elite even before the invasion of Iraq. In the background lie far more reaching and lasting concerns to ensure what is called stability in the reigning ideology. Stability, in simple words, means obedience. 
Stability is undermined by states that do not strictly follow orders. Secular nationalist Islamists are, not, Islamists are not under control. In contrast, of course, the Saudi monarchy, the oldest and most valuable U.S. ally, is fine, etc. Such destabilizing forces are especially dangerous when their programs are attractive to others, in which case they're called viruses that must be destroyed. Stability is enhanced by loyal client states. Since 1967, it's been assumed that Israel can play this role along with other peripheral states. Israel has virtually become an offshore U.S. military base and high-tech center, the natural consequence of its rejection of security in favor of expansion in 71 and repeatedly since. These policies are subject to little internal debate, whoever holds state power. The policies extend worldwide, and in the Middle East, their significance is enhanced by one of the leading principles of foreign policy since World War II, and for Britain before that, to ensure control over Middle East energy resources, recognized for 60 years to be a stupendous source of strategic power and one of the greatest material prizes in world history. The standard Western version is that the July 2006 invasion was justified by legitimate outrage over the capture of two Israeli soldiers at the border. The posture is cynical fraud. The U.S. and Israel and the West generally have little objection to capture of soldiers, or even to the far more severe crime of kidnapping civilians and, of course, killing civilians. That had been Israeli practice in Lebanon for many years, and no one ever suggested that Israel should therefore be invaded and largely destroyed. Western cynicism was revealed with even more dramatic clarity as the current upsurge of violence erupted after Palestinian militants captured an Israeli soldier, Gilad Shalit, on June 25th. That, too, elicited huge outrage and support for Israel's sharp escalation of its murderous assault on Gaza. The scale is reflected in casualties. In June, 36 Palestinian civilians were killed in Gaza. In July, the number is more than quadrupled to over 170 of them, dozens of them children. The posture of outrage was again cynical fraud as demonstrated dramatically and conclusively by the reaction to Israel's kidnapping of two Gaza civilians, the Muammar brothers, one day uh, before on June 24th. They disappeared into Israel's prison system, joining hundreds of others imprisoned without charge, hence kidnapped, as are many of those sentenced on dubious charges. There was some brief and dismissive mention of the kidnapping of the Muammar brothers, but no reaction because such crimes are considered legitimate when carried out by our side. The idea that this crime would justify a murderous assault on Israel would have been regarded as a reversion to Nazism. The distinction is clear and familiar throughout history. To paraphrase Thucydides, the powerful are entitled to do as they wish, while the weak suffer as they must. We should not overlook the progress that's been made in undermining the imperial mentality that's so deeply rooted in Western moral and intellectual culture as to be beyond awareness, nor should we forget the scale of what remains to be achieved, tasks that must be undertaken in solidarity and cooperation by people in North and South who hope to see a more decent and civilized world. So wrote Noam Chomsky, April 9, uh, August 19, on the U.S.-Israeli invasion of Lesbianak. Is that chick still on the air on Channel 4? I bet she is. But she's still looking at all that lesbian on stuff. I, I don't know. Only in South Florida, baby. A major market. <laughs> Bush League, baby. Bush League. Minor League. Little League. Even the Little League kids, man, laugh their ass off when you mention South Florida. They're just chuckling and puking up a storm. Oh, speaking of chuckling and puking up a storm, what I discovered yesterday, which I don't think I ever played this before, if I can find it, Anthony. <laughs> How do you like that? That's Jackie uh, Bale. Oh, or no, it's not Jackie, but who's not Jackie, Jackie Bill, The other Jackie. Who is that? Jackie Quinn. Is that it? I can talk. That's her, yeah. That sounds like Scotty Mac. Well, Listen. Not. I can talk. It doesn't? Either that or yeah. Barbara Starr or Hank. I'm hyperventilating. Oh, that's right. No, Scotty Mac was much higher. In a higher <laughs> register. I just <laughs> want to die. <laughs> oh, no. Jackie Quinn? I think. I don't know no Jackie Quinn. I didn't know no Godfather. I, I, I forget. I'm, I'm sorry to say. Sorry, well, Jackie. We, sorry I forgot your last name. We had so many of these people. How about Arlene Wolf? I wonder what she's doing, the big bad wolf. How about Mike Wolf? 
Didn't uh, Ronna Fink-Wolf get the candid, or did I just have that as a dream, as a wishful uh, thinking? I don't know. I didn't keep track. Yeah, she got candid, cheap channel. But the assassin, Pete Bolger, he's there still there screwing oh, up yeah. places. Maybe he and uh, Greg Reed could uh, you know, get together, form a consulting group, or just have like a group group. Where are you usually when you listen to the Neil Rogers show in, uh, in the radio, on the radio, on the pot, or online? We got 973 people have checked in, and every place we got on here has got at least one. Aren't you excited about that? Thrilled to like this pressure, knowing that there are people all over the globe, and of course you got to credit the tremendous QAM publicity staff <laughs> for making this show so popular all around the world. Broward and even 300. Dade 222. Look at those numbers, man. 300 and 222. Palm Beach 132. Florida outside of Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach 127. The U.S. outside of Florida 94. All over the place. I don't listen 33, but you better start. In outer space 25. I hit this pull only 13. Canada, still nine. Me and eight other Canucks. Mexico, five. I think we ought to start putting a Mexico line. Oh, yeah. Europe, four. Africa, two. Asia, two. Central America, dos. And one in Australia, the Middle East, and South America. I think there's some slop over there in the Middle East and Asia. Oh, what man. Do you think? Don't say that. What? Slop? Some slop over. Oh. Oh, don't say slop when you're talking about joy. This is Neil Rogers. about slop? This is 560 QAM. Screw the callers! I think we just made radio history. What other radio show in the history of this business has ever had the host read an article by Noam Chomsky followed by Do the Gildy? I think it's a first. I think we, I think we just did it. <laughs> and, and the last. I don't, I don't think anybody will ever do that again. In the Guinness, Guinness uh, Book of Records. I'm really impressed. Now, let's see. we got ten minutes to get to. Oh, we already got a thousand. <laughs> Holy moly, man. Everything's coming up roses. Who, now, who did that song? Was that Steve Lawrence? Da, 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 da. Did the Steve Allen write that? I always think Steve Allen wrote that. I don't know. What of Roses? Everything's Coming Up Roses. Oh, you don't have that. If you have that song, man, I'm going to fall off the chair. Isn't that Ethel Merman? Yeah, she sang that, Ethel Merman, and a few other vermin. Sorry. Yeah, she didn't, she I'll, didn't I'll sing, man. She, she belted it out. Oh, she yeah. Just, she was a screamer. Like most of these uh, entertainment reporters you got on the uh, Talking Heads we were talking about before the show, a screamer. Now, that's the new uh, prerequisite for every show now. They have to have some entertainment uh, reporter who's a flaming queen, man, a screaming queen. Thank God the television doesn't put a lot of ugly stereotypes on there to reinforce people's preconceived notion in the basket. 
We got a thousand people checked in. Now let's look at the bottom. One from Australia and the Middle East, and one from South America. Two from Central America. Two from Asia. Two from Africa. Four from Europe. Five Mexico and nine Canada. Still, those are the only ones we care about, right? Right. With all due respect to our, you know, Florida people, who cares about them? David Fickling, in the Guardian, writes: Amnesty report accuses Israel of war crimes. That's got to be more anti-Semitic propaganda, wouldn't you think? I'm sure it is. Israel deliberately targeted civilian infrastructure and committed war crimes during the month-long conflict in Lebanon, according to an Amnesty International report. The report said strikes on civilian buildings and structures went beyond collateral damage and amounted to indiscriminate and disproportionate attacks under the Geneva Conventions on the Laws of War. Kate Gilmore, the Amnesty Executive Deputy Secretary General, said the bombardment of power and water plants and transport links was deliberate and an integral part of a military strategy. Israel's assertion that the attacks on infrastructure were lawful is manifestly wrong, she said. Many of the violations identified in the report are war crimes. The pattern, scope, and scale of the attacks makes Israel's claim that this was collateral damage simply not credible, is what she said. Incredible. Yeah, that's it. Amnesty called for an official U.N. inquiry into human rights violations on both sides of the conflict. The report's authors described the destruction of up to 90% of some towns and villages in southern Lesbian, releasing aerial photographs that showed Beirut's southern Dahia district had been transformed from a bustling suburb into a gray wasteland. A gray wasteland. Well, they shouldn't have attacked them. In village after village, the pattern was similar. The streets, especially the main streets, were scarred with artillery craters along their length, the report said. In some cases, cluster bomb impacts were identified. Houses were singled out for precision-guided missile attack and were destroyed totally or partially as a result. Business premises, such as supermarkets or food stores and auto service stations and petrol stations, were targeted, often with precision-guided munitions and artillery that started fires and destroyed their contents. Israel launched more than 7,000 airstrikes against Lebanon during the 34-day war, and naval vessels launched 2,500 shells. About a third of the 1,183 people killed in Lebanon were children, while 4,054 people were injured, and 970,000, just under a million displaced, refugees. Lebanese estimates suggest that 30,000 houses, along with up to 120 bridges, 94 roads, 25 fuel stations, 900 businesses, and a partridge in a pear tree were destroyed. Two hospitals were destroyed, three others severely damaged, while 31 vital points such as airports, ports, water and sewage treatment plants, and electrical facilities were also completely or partially destroyed. See, I can't understand why they hate us, you know? Anti Semitism. Oh, awesome. The Israel and U.S., there. Right. you can't separate them. They hate us for our freedom. The overall cost of the damage amounted to $3.5 billion. Around 4,000 Hezbollah rockets were fired at northern Israel during the conflict, killing around 40 civilians. Up to 300,000 people in northern Israel were driven into bomb shelters by the fighting, and 117 soldiers died. The amnesty report said, and by the way, that 117 soldiers would be the equivalent of like um, 5,000 American soldiers based on the population. Okay. Five or 6,000. The amnesty report said Israeli military policy seemed direct, directed at destroying Lebanese popular support for Hezbollah, a tactic prohibited by the Geneva Conventions. The widespread destruction, in addition to several statements by Israeli officials, suggest a policy of punishing both the Lebanese government and the civilian population in an effort to get them to turn against Hezbollah and said, Boy, that sure worked really well, didn't it? Just like a charm. Uh, they don't exist anymore, do they? Red Cross officials were quoted as saying that people left behind in inaccessible villages in southern Lebanon have been unable to get a hold of fresh water. Refugees from the border village of Ramesh told Red Cross delegates that locals had to drink foul water from an irrigation ditch to stay alive. The report's allegation of disproportionate action echoes comments made during the conflict by international observers, including French, Russian, and EU officials, and UN humanitarian chief Jan Egeland. However, the British government's avoided the term, which could be considered an accusation of war crimes, although the former Foreign Secretary Jack Straw and the Conservative Foreign Affairs spokesman William Hague both used that term. Okay, what's this fax? 
from Elaine Belasco. She says, I went to the University of Pennsylvania with Noam Chomsky. Even back then, he was a voice for justice. I'm old, too, but I love your program. Thank you, Elaine. We're all old, honey. We are really old, man, old farts. There's nothing like, Oy. you know, back in the day, I used to make fun of all the old people. Now I'm one of them. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not one of them, no. I'll never be one of them. <laughs> I won't. No, you have to take surly lessons. You have to be of a certain character, and you have to... Like I've always said, those people were nasty and mean and rotten and uh, when they were young. They didn't mm -hmm. change. Right. They just, uh, just chronologically, that's all. They were probably opening their neighbor's mail when they were 20. Get out of here, Sonny. It's our time. Get out of here. What do you want? Dr. Dunn, I got blue lips, Dr. Dunn. What am I going to do? My corporate to today. <laughs> Yeah, my grandmother used to say that when she had a headache. Yeah, who knows what she was talking about. <laughs> you know, my grandmother used to call my aunt the Meshuggany. Yeah, my mother used to tell me that every time I go to lunch, her sister, the Meshuggany. Boy, the two of them were like oil and water. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Rita. A thousand and eighteen votes on the, uh, well, they're not votes. They're like uh, checking in. We ought to have like 50,000 on here, wouldn't you think? I'd imagine. One of these days you're going to explain to me how that works. In other words, if you have AOL and there's anybody within a 75-block radius who tries to get on there, you can't vote on the poll. Is that how it is? Right. Something like that. So let's just multiply times 75. We've got 75,000 people checked in so far. This is Neil Rogers. Ahoy! This is 560 QAM. For Georgia's a Yiddish vocabulary, kupfetik. I can't believe I let all these years go by without teaching you that one. I'm going to write it down. Headache. And how do we, how do we spell it phonetically? Oh, a C O P, like cop. Cop. I don't know how the hell. Uh, I don't know. Fake. Vedic. Vedic. V a i t i c. How the hell would you spell? Do you spell Yiddish? I'm telling you so phonetically. Saying, how do you spell like, like how okay? If you spelled it phonetically, that's what I want, so I can oh. rehearse. Kupfetik. 
Yeah, and, and even, uh, even Josh could say that. Oy. Come on, Josh. Kofekik? <laughs> <laughs> that was in Russian. <laughs> Rhymes with pathetic. <laughs> hey, Neil, couldn't you give a little kissy-kissy to Israel and stop with these stories? No. No. I'm getting a cupcake from people like that. The professional Israel defenders all the time. In fact, I wasn't even going to read this story. I probably would not. I've got such a pile here. Too bad I had to reach over a long time ago and shut off that phone uh, monitor. Uh, Robert Fisk in the Independent UK writes, on the, see, this is the thing. American media is a bunch of crap. If you want to get, find anything that's going on in the world, go online, do a little research. Otherwise, right. just watch the American media and get a little more about John Bonet. take that over, too. Let's take a listen. See, there you go. Explain to me what's going on, okay? There, we have a, there's a note left in our daughter's gun. A note was left in your daughter's yeah. gun? How old is your daughter? Six years old. She's gone. Six years old. She's just a pansy. Anyway, oh. untold story of the massacre of Marjayoun leaves blame on both sides of the border, writes Robert Fisk, who, as I've told you before, lives in Lesbanon. Okay. He says there are, this is written uh, yesterday. There are a few marks on the road where the missiles hit the innocence of Marjayoun, but there are the memories of what happened immediately after the Israeli airstrike on the convoy of 3,000 people after dark on August 11th. A 16-year-old Christian girl screaming, I want my daddy, as her father's mutilated body lay a few meters away from her. The town Mukhtar, discovering that his wife Khaled had been decapitated by one of the Israeli missiles. The Lebanese Red Cross volunteer who went into the darkness of wartime Lebanon to give water and sandwiches to the refugees and was cut down by another missile and whose friends couldn't reach him to save his life. There are those who break down when they recall the massacre at Jub Janin, and then there are the Israelis who gave permission to the refugees to leave Marjayun, who specified what roads they should use, and who then attacked them with pilotless missile-firing drone aircraft. Five days after being asked to account for the tragedy, as of last night, still hadn't bothered to explain how they killed at least seven refugees and wounded 36 others just three days before a U.N. ceasefire came into effect. It is one of the untold stories of the Israeli-Hezbollah war. There are others, infinitely more bloody, but the ultimate tragedy of these largely Christian refugees involved a raft of Lebanese officers and ministers, the Prime Minister of Lebanon, the U.S. Ambassador, and the Israeli Defense Ministry. It all began on August 10 when the Israelis staged a small ground offensive into Lebanon after a month of massive bombing of Lebanese villages in the south. Brigadier General Adnan Daoud, commanding a mixed force of 350 Lebanese paramilitary police and soldiers at the barracks in the pretty Christian town of Marjayun, found a man at the gate at 9 a.m., an Israeli officer calling himself Colonel Ayasha. Brigadier General Daoud, whose men were not fighting the Israelis, called the Lebanese Interior Minister Ahmad Fatfat, F-A-T, F-A-T. Okay. I'm sure that's not how you pronounce it, Fat but I can't resist. Ahmad Fat Fat, who endorsed Fat Fat's word, Dowd's decision to let him in. Ayasha spent four hours looking around the barracks to assure himself that there were no Hezbollah members there. Then he left. Dowd put a white flag on the guardhouse. But at 4 p.m. that afternoon, an Israeli tank unit approached the barracks and started to shoot their way in. Dowd again was told by Fat Fat to let the Israelis, uh, who, according to Dowd, informed him, were the occupiers and were in charge. An Israeli officer then locked Dowd into a room. Thousands of Christians in Marjun now feared for their lives. According to several aid workers, Hezbollah were firing rockets from behind the town's hospital, which was immediately abandoned by the Lesbianese Red Cross. The inhabitants believed, with good reason, that Hezbollah's missile would be redirected from Israel onto Marjun itself now that the town had been taken over by Israeli troops and tanks. Locked in his room, Dowd now called Fat Fat again. And Fat Fat called the Lebanese Prime Minister, Fawad Senora, who by chance was talking to U.S. Ambassador to Beirut, Jeffrey Feltman. Feltman, either via the State Department or directly to the U.S. Embassy in Tel Aviv, told his diplomats to call the Israeli Defense Ministry, and they swiftly replied that there should be no Israeli troops in Droud's barracks, but the Israelis in Marjun refused to believe what Dowd told them. 
Marjorie and inhabitants, however, were now in a state of panic and now called Fat Fat at 7 p.m. to start arranging for a refugee convoy north from Marjorie to Beirut. The Lesbianese government, according to Fat Fat, called the U.N. command and said to Lebanon at 5 a.m. the next day, August 11th, to seek clearance from the Israelis to allow the thousands of refugees to be convoyed north. The U.N., according to the government of Beirut, subsequently notified General Abdurman Shaidi, assistant to the head of Lebanese military intelligence, that the convoy had permission from the Israelis to travel. Two U.N. armored vehicles, crewed by Indian troops, subsequently turned up in Marjun to find at least 3,000 people, including Shia Muslim refugees from the surrounding devastated villages, waiting to leave. We had a total agreement they would go on to the they would go out to the Bekaa Valley, and uh, from Elaine Pellegrini, the U.N. commander, Fat 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 said, the road was also agreed. But there were delays. Part of the road had been heavily bombed, had to be repaired. It was 4 p.m. before the convoy crept slowly out of Marjun, down 350 soldiers in the lead. The U.N. vehicles then abandoned the convoy at Hasbaya, the northern limit of U.N. operations, leaving the refugees dangerously exposed. The U.N. had already warned the Lebanese authorities that it was too late for the convoy to leave. They went so slowly, I was enraged, the relief worker recalls. People at friendly villages would come out and give the refugees food and water and want to talk to them, and people would stop to greet old friends as if this was tourism. The convoy was only going at five miles an hour. It was getting dark. The 3,000 refugees now trailed up to the uh, Bakah after nightfall were approaching the ancient Kifraya vineyards at Jub Janine when disaster struck them at 8 p.m. The first bomb hit the second car, reporter for Reuters said. I was halfway back down the road. My friend Eli Salami was standing there. Oh, Salami and Fat Fat asking me if I had any spare gasoline. That's when the second missile struck and Ellie's head and shoulders were blown away. His daughter Sally is 16, and she jumped from the car and cried out, I want my daddy, but he was gone. Speaking of the killings yesterday, uh, this uh, Reuters reporter breaks down and cries. He tried to carry his arthritic mother from his own car, but she complained that he was hurting her, so he put her back on the passenger seat and sat beside her, waiting for a violent death which mercifully never came. But it did arrive for Kalat al-Rashad, wife of the Mukhtar, who was beheaded in her Cherokee jeep, and for a member of the Tata family from uh, Deir Mimas and two other refugees, and for a Lebanese soldier and 35-year-old Michael Jabali, the Red Cross volunteer from Mazali, who was blasted in the air when a rocket exploded behind him. There was panic, the Marjun mayor said. Many people drove away. They had clearance. Everything should have been okay. If Hezbollah was supposed to be carrying weapons at night, they would have been traveling in the opposite direction. Who flew the drones? An Israeli soldier of the invasion force? A nameless officer in the Israeli Defense Ministry in Tel Aviv? The Israelis knew a civilian convoy was on the road, yet they sent their pilotless machines to attack it. Why? As of last night, the Israeli Defense Ministry had not responded to inquiries from reporters who asked for the answer last Friday. How do you like that? Those people Lovely, should have huh? attacked Israel. Yeah, those damn lesbianese, man. Here's a fax from Professor Alex. <laughs> hey, i got news for you, man. Who needs Noam Chomsky when we got Professor Alex P uh, Peeny, Weenie uh, Peeny? Mm-hmm. Mr. Rogers, on today's poll, please check. Oh, yeah, right. Dave right. Miami, Miami Dave. No, we don't do Miami Dave in no, this we show. Don't. I hate to break the news to we you. We don't okay? recognize Miami Dave. No, Day. we do not recognize Miami Dave. <laughs> we know it's a foreign country, and we, don't, we recognize Dave County. It's been that way for like over 100 years. That's right. When Henry, it wasn't Henry Flagler had something to do with that? Henry Fagler? He might have. Yeah. They explained it he right said, there. I've been working on the railroad, something like that. The professor uh, had a good explanation. Oh, it says here, Dade was created in 1836. It was named for Mayor Francis L. Dade, a soldier killed in 1835 in the Second Seminole War, what has since been named the Dade Battlefield. The county seat was originally at Indian Key in the Florida Keys. But on July 22, 1997, it changed from Dade to Miami Dade. Thank you for your assistance with this matter. And there's a picture of Professor uh, Alex Weenie-Pini. Former Dade Mayor, now St. Thomas University professor, teaches undergraduates as a senior fellow and professor of public policy. Well, screw you, Alex, okay? And get that, that parrot off your shoulder. Oh, it's not a parrot. It's Juan Medieta. Who was here the other day? He was? Yeah. Doing what? Juan Medieta. What was he doing there? He was doing Juan. 
No, seriously. What another, was he was cutting a PSA or something for someone. Wow. Somewhere. He was cutting the cheese? Stopped in to say hi. Wow. Good thing he didn't do that when he was on Alex wanted me to use his shoulder. Wanted me to give you his love. Well, I got it right here in the basket. I don't remember what he looked like. I'll send it to you. No. Probably old and ugly now anyway. Yes. 1,060 votes on the poll, on the survey. Why do I keep saying on the poll? Oh, there's that sellout, the dark-complected guy. What the hell is his name, that the one in the middle there on MSNBC? Beyond, just still. Oh, my God. Uh, well, what's worse, sellout Jews or sellout blacks? I think sellout blacks are the absolute. Don't, don't make, make me choose. Sellout, oh, period. Choose Jews? Well, you would. Oh, it's Armstrong Williams, another right-wing, uh, self-hating black guy. Oh, my God. And who's that ex-jock from Oklahoma? What's his name, uh, Josh, that uh, black ex-jock? Oh, that black ex-jock? From Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. You're such a... Boy. Now, what did he say again? Kupvetik. I want to hear you say it again. Well, say it one more time, and I'll try to pronounce it. Kupvetik. Kupvetik. That was a little Jewish right there. What are you usually... Uh, where? What are you usually, idiot? Where are you usually when you listen to the Ear Rogers show, either on the ear over the uh, horrible old-fashioned radio or online? 1,060 people have checked in. George says that means we got 2 million people listening. Broward 324, Day 251, Palm Beach 145. Well, that figures... Outside of those three counties in Florida, 134. Like, you know, uh, Tallahatchie. What was the name of the bridge in uh, Ode to Billy Joe? The Tallahatchie yeah, Bridge. Tallahatchie. Right? How do you like that? What a memory. Is there such a place or is it upstream from Andrew? I don't know. Do you Where remember his last name? Now? USA outside of Florida, 108. I don't listen, 34. They, uh, they vote, they check our website, they don't listen. In outer space, 27. We believe you. I hate this poll, only 14. Canada, 10. How do you like that? There's uh, Bobby Gentry on Capitol Records. Oh, to Billy Joe. Was it third of June? What a talk up, huh? Okay, that's enough of that thing. You see that movie? Robbie Benson was in it, and he done yes, something he with some guy in a tent. He pitched a tent. I remember that man. Yeah, and then he jumped into the... Now, who played the uh, his girlfriend? Who else was in it? Oh, I'm going to have to Google that. Oh, that's bad. You're supposed to know these things. Yeah, I know. Oh, you know what movie was on last night? I give up. Oh, what the hell is it called? Uh, the The Neighbor. With Rod Steiger. Did you ever see that? It's only got two stars on the uh, thing there. That sounds familiar. I might have seen that. Where he played the crazy doctor, you know, and he was the next door neighbor. That and sounds very familiar. Baby. Uh-huh. It was uh, the neighbor. It's good. Canada, 10. Mexico, Cinco, Cinque. Europe, 4. Central America, 3. Oh, my God. We're moving up into Gusigalpa. The Middle East, 2. Africa, 2. Asia, 2. Australia, 1. And South America, Solamente, 1. This is Neil Rogers. This is Buenos O'Connor. Our brand new lineup starts next Monday, August 28th. Mark that down on your wrist, okay, like in Memento. Am I right? Next Monday, August 28th? That's right. Coming up. A day that'll live in for me. Where'd George go? Uh, he's probably taking a deuce. Oh, no. And an ace and a trace is what I'm hearing. Hey, listen, if your mattress is lumpy and bumpy or your kids are going back to school, you've got to make sure you're sleeping on a really great quality mattress. And if you want to get one at a price that you can afford and get delivery that is second to none in the world, and call our good friends at Dollar Mattress, 1-800-MATTRESS. They can recommend a uh, mattress for kids of any age and, of course, for you adults as well. Have a new bed delivered the date and time you choose any day, seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. It's so easy, even a child can do it. Just make that call right now and pick the time that's convenient for you when you're going to be home. Noon to 2, 3 to 5, 427 to 627, etc. And they'll show up on time. They can even deliver your mattress the same day that you call, especially like if you call right now. You can be sleeping like a baby tonight. You can't beat this uh, any way around. Anytime I've needed a new mattress for years and years, I just sit there and make one easy call off my fat old ass. Call 1-800-MATTRESS right now. Get the best prices and the best selection of the top names like Sealy, Serta, Simmons, King Coil, Tempur-Pedic, Stearns and Foster Hewitt, all the other top names, too. Check for low prices on their website at mattress.com or better yet, call Dial a Mattress right now. And like I said, they'll be knocking on your door in no time at all. 
1-800-MATTRESS, 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S. Leave off the last S because it stands for stupendous savings. Want a lollipop, little boy? next week. No, you really enjoy him. But the problem is, like I said, he's like 78 years old or something mm-hmm. like that. How much longer is he going to be around? And Gore Vidal is about 110. Mm-hmm. Speaking of great intellectuals, Paramount cuts ties with Tom Cruise. You fairy. Right, look at that poll right now. Speaking oh, of that. that. How likely are they to re- see a movie when it's you know, Oh, Gibson I didn't see it. What did it say? What did it say? Mel Gibson. Oh. 60-some percent said not likely. 69 percent. Yeah. 69. That sounds awfully gay. Tommy. You fairy. The latest high-profile Hollywood breakup is between a movie star and a top studio. And how come they got that idiot Mel Gibson on there, you anti-semantic idiot? People are kind of unforgiving when they say, this is the person who we loved. We don't love him anymore. No, that's for damn sure. Well, I never loved him in the first place. I liked him okay. I thought he was, you know, all right. I liked Rain Man and uh, Born on the Fourth of July. Mm-hmm. What else? Well, Last Samurai. I didn't see that. Did you like Risky Business? Because in those days... Uh, yeah, well, it was okay. Like, yeah, it was okay. It was all right when he was... See, back then when he was jumping up and down on the couch and his underwear was okay and Oprah mm-hmm. was not okay. Right. Anyway, Sumner Redstone, whose company owns Paramount Pictures, said the studio would sever its 14-year relationship with Cruz's film production company because his recent conduct has not been acceptable to Paramount. That's the Paramount issue. 
Paramount. Remember the Godfather in the beginning? Mm -hmm. Paramount yes. Pictures presents the Godfather. As much as we like him personally, the Viacoming chairman filled the Wall Street Journal, we thought it was wrong to renew his deal. Cruz's partner, Paula Wagner. What, what does that mean? Business, what does business that mean? partner. Business partner. Oh. Calm down. Cruz's partner, Paula Wagner. See, I thought maybe it was a misprint. <laughs> I thought if it was going to be his partner. It was Paul Wagner or Paula Walker. He's still around every now and then. He was in a movie he was on last night. I didn't watch it. It was directed by John Stockwell, one of my very favorite people in the history of mankind, who's probably really old and ugly now. Anyway, the deal in recent years paid Cruz and Wagner up to... Um, oh, Cruz's partner, Paul Wagner, said negotiations on a new contract simply fizzled. The deal in recent years paid Cruz and Wagner up to $10 million a year to develop films and operate an orifice on the Paramount lot. It was reported that Cruz and the studio had been discussing a less lucrative deal. The studio would offer the pair $2 million a year, plus $500,000 discretionary fund during each of the next two years, according to the L.A. Times yesterday. It cited sources with knowledge of the talks who didn't want to be named because of the sensitivity of the matter. In the past year or so, the usually guarded actor came under intense scrutiny. You fairy! After he jumped up... See, let me say this to you right now. The difference to me between really biting satire and comedy that really is hysterical... You know, the... Uh, Excuse me, but I do believe that sucks. See, that's yeah. South Park. Right. As opposed to The Daily Show, which is attempting to be really biting and humorous. And, and about 90% of the time misses its mark. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. South Park never misses the mark. No, and they don't pull any punches either. That's correct. They don't come on there and pretend that they're going to say something biting and scathing. They rip ass, even if it's Oprah's. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't go there now, please. No, girlfriend. It's a mess. In the past year or so, the usually guarded actor came under intense scrutiny after he jumped up and down on Oprah Winfrey's couch. My God, everywhere you look, whether it's on South Park, she's yeah. just everywhere. Oprah. Yeah. While proclaiming his love for Katie Holmes, openly advocating Scientology, criticizing Brooke Shields for taking prescription drugs to treat postpartum depression. I'd like to see Kenneth Masmacho, Brooke Shields, or Tom Cruise. She could probably oh, kick his ass, man. Oh, crush him. He's like five foot seven anyway. She could just sit on him. The religion, of course, founded by science fiction writer L. Ron Hubbub, opposes psychiatry and its medication. It's a closet. Redstone estimated that Cruz's off-screen behavior cost his latest movie, Mission Impossible 3, 100 to $150 million in ticket sales, even as he praised the film as the best of the three movies. I wouldn't watch it if he paid me by the second. If he gave me a machine that played on every pull, I still wouldn't do it. It's nothing to do with his acting ability. He's a terrific actor, Redstone said, but we don't think that someone who effect, effectuates creative suicide and costs the company revenue should be on the line. I love that line, who effectuates creative suicide. Wagner told the AP that agents for Cruz Wagner Productions stopped negotiating with Paramount over a week ago. They've since secured independent financing, effectively taking any contract renewal deal off the table. For some reason, Paramount has chosen to negotiate in the press, Wagner said, calling Redstone's announcement surprising. It's not really the most businesslike approach, he said, and we've had virtually no dealings with Mr. Redstone. Each of the actors' last seven films have generated more than $100 million, and the collaboration between Paramount and Cruz Wagner Productions, based on the Paramount lot since 92, has produced $2.5 million worth of business. Wagner said she and Cruz have been considering independent financing for their company for a long time. She said the company's already obtained commitments from two hedge funds whose name would be announced soon. For us, this is a new and exciting direction, she said. We look forward to working with all the studios, and we don't believe her. We think that he got dumped. Don't you think he got dumped? There's no question. Yeah. They dumped you, Tommy. Hey, Tommy. You fairy. 1,103, not bad. 1,103 people have checked in. George says that translates to 88,000 people That's listening right. right now. Five million people. And let's look on the bottom there. South America is still Solamente Uno. Asia, too. Not too, not too big in those outlying far... Uh, but once they discover the pull, man, once the word gets around the pipe, the uh, grapevine, 
and Ben Harper is going to be singing it. This is Neil Rogers. All right. This is 560 QAM. <clears throat> this is Dick Cheney. I like to relax by having Mary Magdalene massage my balls while listening to the Neil Rogers 12 to 1 hour. <clears throat> Celebrity justice. Dick, what happened? The group of us had hunted all day on Saturday. Uh-huh. Saw Harry standing there. He was dressed in orange. I turned and shot at Harry. He was struck in the right side of his face. And he was, I'm sure, stunned, obviously. You think? It's the first time I'd ever hunted Harry. What? There's no, uh, it's not Harry's fault. I guess not. The other hunter and I then, um, we were hunting quail and walked about 100 yards in another direction. Each of us got a bird. You guys continued to hunt? Exactly, that's what we did. What was Harry doing? Uh, bleeding, obviously. What were you thinking? I have no idea. Celebrity Justice.
Sí, 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 estoy. Estoy, 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 estoy. from the um, Nancy Grace School. It's a requirement now. Thank you, Fran. Anyway, it's uh, 12 wait I haven't even given the lineup for today. We're so cut. Uh, you know, who cares about today and tomorrow, right? Let's just, let's just, from now, let's just erase it, right? Oh, come on. And let's move on to Monday. No, seriously, because we got to move on to bigger, we got bigger fish to fry come Monday. Let's see, tomorrow morning, Geldy's back on again. Well, all of these things. That's not good. Curtis Stevenson, 2 to 4 this afternoon, Mad Dog from Conine's Clubhouse Grill. That ought to be a thrill between 4 and 7. Why is there an asterisk on that? Uh, that's a revision. So you've got to put an asterisk next to it? What that's, an idiot. That's to, to let you know that this, is a real idiot. this has been changed. Hurricane Hotline at GameWorks 7 to 9. The Beast at GameWorks 9 to 10. The Beast <laughs> is on the air. What does that tell you? Eddie K. 10. No ball game today. What did I tell you, Josh, about the Marlins would sweep the Nats? Yeah, and they did. Although that final score there, man, I, I looked, it was 9 to 2, and all of a sudden I see the final is 9 to 7. Yeah, I got a little oh, scary there. Kevin. Yeah, not good. But they swept the Nats, and like I also told you, if you took all the wins out of the win column against the Nats and the Pirates, they'd be like 700 games under 500. Yes. And, speaking of marginal teams, boy, the Brewers coming to town on tomorrow night. Wow. There should be one hell of a sit-down audience for that, you know? Probably, I'm guessing like 600 people. Six, six to seven people who got lost somewhere on the uh, turnpike, made a bad right turn there. Oh, we're at the stadium. Might as well go see a ball game. What section you want? So the um, Marlins play, and they're only, I believe, six games under 500 now. Am I right about that? Yes, you are. Five and a half back. Woo! Five and a half out of the vile card. That is pathetic. Although they do have 422 teams ahead of them between them and the Reds. Washburn, Missouri. The minister of a rural Ozarks church, his wife and her two brothers, have been accused of molesting young girls from their congregation for years, sometimes as part of a religious ritual, officials said. Oh, yeah. Give me that good old-time religion. It makes me dance in my pants. The county per- prosecutor says the Reverend Raymond Lambert, 51. I wonder if he's related to Bill Lambertus, the old harness driver. Raymond Lambert. I wonder if he's kin to Curly Lambert. He was a horse at uh, Suffolk Downs in Rockingham Park. Curly Lambert. I believe driven by Tug Boyd or Bucky Day. What do we? Well, how'd you get me off on that again? Boat? Sorry. Tug Boat and the county prosecutor said the Reverend Raymond Lambert, 51, of Grand Valley Independent Baptist Church, repeatedly had sex with two underage girls. Oh, my God. With the help of his 49-year-old wife, Patty, according to court records. She helped? She helped. She got help, gave a helping hand. He gave a helping hand, and she gave a helping hand. For 10 years, the pastor told the girls, we're preparing your body for the service to God. The prosecutor said. I think of this. <laughs> oh, no. How do you like that? How come they can't prepare some uh, some choice people for service to? Hey, oh God! Well, I guess they have recently, but probably not enough. Never enough. Patty, when you're a pervert. Patty Lambert's brothers, Paul Epling, 53, and Tom Epling, 51, are each accused of repeatedly having sex with girls as young as the age of four in the late 70s and early 80s. Okay. The minister of a rural Ozarks church in Washburn, Missouri. This is his family. All four defendants face molested and sodomy charges. What did I say? Molested. The attorney said they denied the allegations. All four turned themselves in Monday, were released on bond. A preliminary hearing scheduled October the 2th to see whether formal charges will be filed. Or maybe just informal. 
Lambert's church is on a property owned by the Epling Brothers and houses up to 100 people on a 100-acre farm in western McDonald County. They refer to it as a compound, Sheriff's Deputy Michael Lesur said. The compound is behind a gate marked Grand Valley Farm on a gravel road about 13 miles west of the small town of Washburn. This kind of sounds like uh, what's going on in Aintree, or maybe just what was going on up there in the woods with Ned Beatty. The gate was barred with no trespassing signs on Wednesday, and attorney Robert W. Evanson said the four would not speak to reporters. This is a matter of facts for the court, not public opinion, he said. They just want to keep it in the family, I guess. And as uh, Susan Sarandon would say, I mean, Susan, yeah, uh, Susan, uh, what's her name? Not Susan Sarandon. Sigourney Weaver would say, oh. nice trailer. Where yeah. the hell did I get Susan Sarandon from? I don't know. Too much of that left-wing propaganda, I guess, I on this show. Her and Tim Robbins. That's what happened when I read that article by Noam Chomsky. See, they can't accuse him of being anti-Semantic. There's no more Jewish than Noam Chomsky, I'll tell you that, especially with a name like that. The only way it could be any more Jewish is if they called him Chomsky. You know what I'm saying? I see. As in Chazarai. Sounds like a Ruski to me. As in, speaking of Chazarai. There you see Mel Gibson. There you see Mel Gibson. All I could say is, yeah. uh, <laughs> see him more. 1213 at 560 WQM. All the tribes, all the bubble mices, all the getskis all the time. Like I've always told you, it's a war of headgear, man. Who's got the best headgear? Is it the Orthodox Jews? Is it the Muslims? Is it the, uh, who else is it? Is it the Catholic bishops and the uh, Pope? Is it the priests? Huh? Uh-huh. It's the poor young kids being schlepped to Hebrew school to study their bar mitzvah mafia so they can go and say, today I am a fountain pen, or whatever the hell they say. Bunch of crap, man. All you kids out there, when your parents try to indoctrinate you with this garbage, just tell them, cut the crap. That's it. Top 13 at QAM. Stogie's continues to be South Florida's top cigar shop with one of the broadest inventories containing an outstanding selection of over a 1,000 open boxes of cigars. All the top names that all cigar connoisseurs know and love, like Perdomo, Ashton VSG, Arturo Fuente, Padron, Monte Cristo, Romeo and Juliet, and lots more waiting for you at Stogie's. Also, on top of that, not just your everyday names, but special hard-to-find and obscure cigars that you won't find anyplace else are waiting for you right there in the shop. Buy your premium cigars for the price of seconds and stick around a while and enjoy your smooth smoke at Stogie's Wine Lounge. Featuring Pierre Andre, 100% Pinot Noir. Even uh, John Mark, uh, whatever, his car didn't get to drink that on, a, on the Thai uh, Airlines plane. Pierre Andre. And many other fine wines from around the world. How is the duck, John? Don't choke on the duck. That's awfully fatty, man. Stogie's is located at 11612 North Kendall Drive, just a half mile east of that. Can you imagine his cholesterol went zooming up after that flight? Stogie's is at 11612 North Kendall Drive, just a half mile east of Exit 20 off the Turnpike. Open every day, seven days a week for your smoking and dining and dancing pleasure. Call today to reserve a box of your favorite cigars at Stogie's. They got them if you want them. 305-598-9820. And when you stop into the shop, be sure and say hi to Mary and the girls, Sandra and Heather, and I'll give you a free one and a cigar, too. That's Stogie's at 11612 North Kendall Drive. 305-598-9820. This is Neil Rogers. This is 560 QAM. Where have the boss reporters gone? Yay, they kidnapped them. Where have the Fox reporters gone? Somewhere in lesbian arms. Have the rest of the deal come. Help yourself to more than one. I hope they don't return. Traitors like them should only burn. Maybe they'll kidnap her dog. Corn-studded Nazi church. Nap them all until they're gone. There's 
Kidnap his ass and Ricky Ticky Sanchez and Wolf Blitzkrieg while they're at it. Guess what? I got some bad news for all you astronomers out there. They had a wild time about this. I guess they had a big contretemps about this at the um, meeting of the International Astronomical Union in Prague. Probably okay. a lot oh, of drugs. Leading astronomers declared finally today that Pluto is no longer a planet. Oh my God. Under historic new. So if you're a teacher, all your kids out there, if you're teaching, oh, uh, teaching you that in science class that Pluto is the ninth planet, just. Blow their crap away, man. Uh, now we've got to go change that mobile on the ceiling? Under historic new guidelines that downsized the solar system from nine planets to eight. Oh, I don't accept that. I do not recognize that. Once upon a time, there were nine. And now there are eight. Boy, How do you like that? Got to burn those textbooks. <laughs> <laughs> not buying that. Oh, no. Come on, My grandfather was flipped off. After a tumultuous week of clashing over the essence of the cosmos, the International Astronomical Union stripped Pluto of the planetary status it's held since its discovery in 19... About 30, man. 30. <coughs> the new definition of what is and is not a planet fills a centuries-old black hole for scientists who have labored since Kiner uh, Copernicus without one. Copernicus. Copernicus, for Christ's sakes. What's wrong with you, you idiot? Although astronomers applauded after the vote, Jocelyn Bell Burnell, a specialist in neutron... You know, there's only one Jocelyn that I ever heard of in my life before that. Jocelyn, Joycelyn. You know who that was? Mm-hmm. Elders. Hi, this is Jocelyn Elders. Yeah, that, her. Remember her? Yes, I do. Miss I her. can't play that bit, of course. No, I know. You want to play it? Pickle. Anyway, although... <laughs> see, I knocked you off. I couldn't hear you. I'll play I it tomorrow. You. Oh. Jocelyn Joyce Burnell, uh, whatever her name is, especially the neutron stars from Northern Ireland who oversaw the proceedings, urged those who might be quite disappointed to look on the bright side. Always look on the bright side, she's saying. It could be argued that we're creating an umbrella called Planet Under Which dwar the Dwarf Planets Exist, she said, drawing laughter by waving a stuffed Pluto of Walt Disney fame beneath the real umbrella. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Oh, my God. Obviously, this was a bunch of real intellectuals. The only one missing was... Eisner? Yeah. The decision by the prestigious international group spells out the basic tests that celestial objects will have to meet before they can be considered for admission to the elite cosmic club. For now, membership will be restricted to the A. Well, it's got them here. Like, I need to read them to you. Much maligned Pluto doesn't make the grade out of the new rules for a planet which is defined as a celestial body that is in orbit around the sun, has sufficient mass for its self-gravity to overcome rigid body forces so that it assumes a nearly round shape and has cleared the neighborhood around its orbit. Pluto is automatically disqualified because its orbit is oblong orbit overlaps with Neptune. How do you like that? Mm -hmm. Instead, it'll be reclassified a new category of dwarf planets. Oh, what a dwarf! Similar to what long have been termed minor planets. Oh yeah, maybe we can get the Pluto people on Survivor. The Plutonians. After we get the what? What are they going to do? Are we going to have some mulatto people on there too? Now, whose side are they going to be taking? The mulatto well, crowd. Well, depends on what language they speak, I reckon. I see. And we certainly got to get some beaners on there so you can get all worked up. They got them. 1,150 people have uh, checked in, choked it, choked it, and checked in on our uh, website. 
NeilRogers.com. And still, I guess, I guess we've exhausted all the people from, like, all those exotic places, you know, like Dayton Broward. Okay, it's almost 12.30 already, and you haven't even, I've only got how many stories here? About 30, man. I'm John uh, Carr, Mark, uh, yeah. We don't, we don't want, but i got more important stuff first. I'll save that for a minute, okay? i got some really heavy, interesting stuff here. You might be amazed. In fact, Beloit, Wisconsin, ever hear of Beloit College? No. Nope. But you did now, in Beloit, Wisconsin. They did a uh, survey, and they've got a thing, um, where is it? Born in 87, the freshman attending the first college lectures around the country grew up with pay-per-view TV. It's got, like, all these different things that anybody born in 87, who are today's college students, 19, uh, never saw or experienced or knew or like that. How do you like that? Like freedom, mm-hmm. things like that. Free speech. Here's what I'm sure Josh has been all over, like Stink on Greg, like Stink on Joyce. Hempstead, New York, Long Island. Jets running back Kevin Barlow apologized to 49ers coach Mike Nolan for comparing him to Adolf Hitler in a newspaper interview. You see that story? Because you sent it, yeah. Oh, well, that's right. You see how educated you're becoming? Pretty soon you'll be talking about getting a cup fatigue from getting too many stories. Hey, are you seeing the same commercial I am for Geico right now? There's yeah. that guy. That's that announcer oh. guy, the movie guy. Too late. Ah, we missed it. Well, you suppose you should have interrupted me sooner. I, I, I never saw that, that one before. That's time. Well, Geico, I'm telling in you. In a world. I would get their insurance just because I like their spots. I would get their insurance if they stopped using that lizard. It's not a lizard. What is wrong with you? It's a gecko, man. I hate the gecko. Oh. He'll sit with the kids. Barlow, who was traded from San Francisco to New York on Sunday. I don't like that British thing, man, that British accent. Oh, God. Well, mate. Barlow, who was traded from San Francisco to New York on Sunday for a fourth-round pick, made his inflammatory comments to the Contra Costa Times in Wednesday's editions. Jets coach Eric Magnini said yesterday he has spoken with Barlow, and the player is sorry. Everybody's always apologizing. You know, they blurt out a bunch of evil crap like macaca, you know? You're what? Right? Macaca in uh, Virginia. You see George Allen call that yeah, guy? I saw that video. Yeah, macaca, because he's got that what? Uh, mohawk haircut. I personally think that George Allen is probably, if you ask me, probably knows Defoe. Getting back to a Barlow, went to high school with a kid named Bruce Barlow. I thought his comments were inappropriate, Magnini said. After he said it, he wished he could have had those words back, but he can't. Kevin has already called Coach Nolan to talk about that, which I think is important. Barlow was upset with the trade, mainly because Nolan assured him he wouldn't be dealt. He told the newspaper Nolan was a first-time head coach with too much power. He walks around with a chip on his shoulder like he's a dictator, like he's Hitler, Barlow said. People are scared of him. If it ain't Nolan's way, it's the highway. How do you like that? Forget a little bit over the top. And you know what Nolan said? It's a lie. I am not a Nazi. That's what he said. Okay. Get to that John uh, Mark Carr. Got 400 stories about him, including, did you know that he uh, ran a, where is that story? Where the hell is it? He ran a um, thing in his house. Oh, don't tell me I don't have that one. I better print it out again. He ran a daycare center in Alabama. Do you know that? I did not. Wouldn't you think he'd be the kind of go- a guy that uh, would be perfect for that? Like, uh, yeah, like John Wayne Gacy. About yeah. little girls. Oh, oh, boy. He's got 6,000 stories. Because let's face it, who the hell cares about Israel or lesbian yeah, or right. about Iraq or about Afghanistan or Iran as fast as I can mm-hmm. uh, or stuff like that, you know? Nobody wants to be so newsy. We got John, uh... Walk up L.A. County, 10 and 11. Scott Peterson's sister tells what it's really like to have a killer in the family. Oh, there you go. <laughs> All right. You think that's a good way to hear this from Calpulapan, Mexico. Calpulapan, Mexico. Skeletons found in an unearthed site in Mexico show Aztecs captured, ritually sacrificed, and partially ate... Several hundred people <laughs> traveling with invaded Spanish forces in 1520. 
Skull and bones from the Takake Archaeological Site in New Mexico City show about 550 victims had their hearts ripped out by Aztec priests in ritual offerings and were dismembered or had their bones boiled or scraped clean. Oh, there's nothing like scraping your bones clean mm. before you start macking on uh, those guys. The findings support accounts of Aztecs capturing and killing a caravan of Spanish conquistadors and local men. I love that song by Procol Harum. Conquistador. Women and children traveling with them in revenge for the murder of Kakamatsu, uh, Kakamu. Kaka. Lot of Kaka. Kaka. On the show today. Kaka Matson, king of the Aztec Empire's number two city of Texcoco. <laughs> Texaco. Oh. Oh, yeah. You can be the uh, man with the Texaco star in the Milton Berle show. Experts say the discovery proves the Aztecs did resist the conquistadors led by explorer Herman Cortez. Hernan Cortez. Herman. Even though history books say most welcomed the white skinned horsemen in the belief they were returning Aztec gods. Oh, of course. So there you go. They, uh, they skinned them and they ate them and they boned them and they deloused them. Stuff like that. This is Neil Rogers. All of these things. This is 560 QAM. This is Rush Limbaugh, servant of humanity, talk show host, hemorrhoid sufferer. Folks, at over 300 pounds, I know the agony of this kind of dilemma. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you there's help. With new Preparation Rush and my Rush to Excellence Suppositories, now you can end the pain and itching of hemorrhoidal tissue. Just look for my picture on the box of suppositories and the applicator tube. Another fine product from OIB, the Obesity in Broadcasting Network. Tube. Tonight on Fox, lock up the bagels and cream cheese and prepare for a wild ride when Fox presents When Jews Attack. Sponsored by the committee to elect George W. Bush and by KFC, where you can get the new GOP bucket. The GOP bucket is all white meat, right wings, and only $29.95. When Jews Attack. Tonight on Fox. Well, this is a long story. This Rush Limbaugh story that you affects me the first page of? Yes, I didn't affect you the second page. Holy you moly. Well, I got further huh? if you wished. No, no, I, I just printed it out. The original, okay, which is yeah. much bigger print, much easier to read, right. and the whole thing. I mean, who just wants a little piece of Rush? Oh, boy. On August 23rd broadcast, as yesterday, of his nationally syndicated radio program, Rush Limbaugh suggested that the competition in the new CBS reality TV program, Survivor, in which contestants are reportedly going to be divided into competing tribes by ethnicity, is not going to be fair if there's a lot of water events. In support of this assertion, he cited a March 2nd Healthy article reporting that young blacks, especially males, are much more likely to drown in pools than whites. During the program, Limbaugh suggested that people at CBS are scratching their heads and asking whether the swimming portion of the new Survivor competition is going to be fair. When pressed by an African-American caller to identify which team would be the worst swimmers and why, Limbaugh stated that the white tribe would be the best swimmers based on the performance of white athletes at the Olympics. After apparently disconnecting or cutting the volume level of the caller, Limbaugh said, You're saying I'm being racist because I'm saying blacks can't swim. He further protested, I mentioned the swimming contest only because it's not going to be fair if there's a lot of water competition in this. It just isn't. It's not a racist uh, comment at all. In support of his assertion that his comments were not racist, Limbaugh cited a March 2nd Health Day article reporting that young blacks, especially males, are much more likely to drown in pools than whites. But the study on which the Health Day article was based did not address the swimming abilities of African Americans in general. Health Day reported that researchers don't know why black kids are at high risk of drowning, that most of the black drowning victims drowned in public pools, and the study didn't examine whether the victims had taken swimming lessons or whether the pools were supervised by lifeguards. Additionally, the article noted that according to the study, people from poorer families were more likely to drown regardless of race, and that one author of the study suggested future research will be done to examine swimming instruction, uh, whether it, it reduces the risk of drowning. 
Oh, yeah, let's, let's spend a few million dollars to do a study on that. Regarding the new Survivor Series, Limbaugh also stated that there are many characteristics that you think would give the African-American tribe the lead and the heads up in terms of skill and athleticism and so forth. He's not a racist, you understand. Just ask Donovan McNabb, he'll tell you. Just ask the people at ABC. He also stated, oh, by the way, how did your boy do on Monday night, Josh? I'm sorry? On Monday night football. Who are we talking about here? The, the new uh, analyst. Which one? There's three of them. No, no, the new the new analyst on uh, whatever his name is. Tony Kornheiser? Tony Kornholer. Um, he seems a little lost so far. No. He also stated that our early money is on a Hispanic tribe, which he said could include a Cuban or Nicaraguan or a Mexican or two, provided they don't start fighting for supremacy amongst themselves. Oh, he must have had George in mind when he mentioned that. He knows his uh, Julio's. Huh? Limbaugh added that Hispanics have probably shown the most survival tactics, that they've shown a remarkable ability to get cross borders, and they can do it without water for a long time. They don't get apprehended. They'll do things other people won't. He also asserted that the Asian-American tribe, whom he called the brainiacs of the bunch, probably will outsmart everybody. But while intelligence is one thing, raw native understanding of the land, this is probably why the Native Americans were excluded, because they were at one with the land, and they'd probably have an unfair advantage. I don't know what Rush is. He added that the white tribe, if it behaves that historically as it has, will bring along vials of diseases and will wind up oppressing the other tribes by denying them benefits and property, but will later try to put the other tribes in some kind of benefit program. Oh, uh, why did uh, you even send that to me? And why oh. did I look it up and get the whole story? Very There's yuck. much more to it. There's much more to oh, it. I know. But why would we want to talk about that? Oh. Beaten every single week. What's the conversation in this country going to be like? That is my concern. I can see the headlines now. Oh, we knew that Survival this was have white, black, race. Hispanic, and Asian tribal race. I mean, I'm very concerned about the assumptions that are going to be made from what we see in this competition. And I'm also concerned about what will come out. What are you trying to say, honey? I have no line. Yeah. This should be, let me say, uh, this should be your biggest problem, right? Yeah. Survivor exactly. my ass. Now, let's get to the important stuff, to the meat of the matter. This is what the whole audience is sitting on the edge of their seats, quitting beating around the bush, okay? Quit with all the BS and all the protest song and all this other crap. Let's get to John Carr, Carr whatever his name is. Deborah Carr, Kerr. John Mark Carr belonged, uh, bragged to his landlord's family that sexually I am like a wolf and said he preferred girls to women when he worked in Costa Rica as an English teacher. His former housemates told the A&P. Oh, I still didn't print out that story about uh, he had a daycare center in Alabama. I'll do it. Because i got 6,000 John Carr stories. Isn't that what we're supposed to be talking about? Survivor in John Carr? Oh, yeah. Carr That's all. That's all nice. traveled around the world in recent years, including brief stays in Honduras and Costa Rica. Oh, no. There's no little girls uh, having sex in Costa Rica, are there? Where he rented a room in 2004 from Canadian John Hall, who teaches at a private university in the capital of San Jose. Do you know the way to San Jose? That, that way. Call 42 told AP in an exclusive interview that he rented a room to Carr through an Internet posting, but asked him to leave after about five weeks because Carr was saying rude and inappropriate things to his Costa Rican wife and stepdaughters, then 16 and 20. I threw him out because he was causing problems for them, Hall said. One stepdaughter, now 22, told AP that Carr said several times he liked girls. Not like, you know, girls, like young girls, like little. My mother asked him whether he was looking for a girlfriend in Costa Rica. He answered he didn't like adult women, only small ones, she said, speaking on condition name not be used. I thought he meant young women, never mind she meant girls, as in like little girls. During his stay with the family, Carr would often either talk incessantly or sit in his room and listen to dark rock music like that of Marilyn Manson, something that also bothered the Halls, who are Pentecostal Christians. Oh, Marilyn Manson, there he goes again, you see it? Told you. He's all over the place, devil worship. My God, he's responsible for everything. All the abortions, I mean, you name it. 
That's what uh, Michael Moore taught us. Remember that? He was in the movie, Maryland. Oh, they're, they're just foaming at the mouth of it. They look like they've succeeded because here we are talking about it. Yeah, here we are talking about it, even though it's one of the most stupid things. I'd rather hear about John and Mark Carr than about stinking survival. You know, I've never watched that show. You didn't miss it much. Oh. 1,185 people have checked in. That's pretty weak, if you ask me. We should have 1,300 by 2 o'clock, or I'm going to be pretty PO'd. I'm going to be pretty cheesed off. Where are you usually when you listen to the Neil Rogers show, either on the air or uh, on the Internet? Broward, 352. Dade, 281. Palm Beach, 161. You see that overwhelming Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach. Mm -hmm. You're listening on the radio. A lot of those people could be listening online, too, though, like I said. If they're, like, in a building, it's got, like, uh, anywhere in a building, got, like, a fluorescent light in it. They can't hear their station. (laughs) It's like that. So they're listening online. That's why when we lose the uh, thing, we go down, the thing goes down. Boy, they get wild, man. They go nuts. Florida outside of Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach, 149. That's not bad. U.S. outside of Florida, 120. I don't listen to 40. In outer space, 35. Please. I hate this pull. 15. Canada, 10. Mexico, 5. Africa, 4. Where, where, where do you think that is? In Zaire? Okay. Maybe Central America, Ghana. 4. Well, they probably have a, a, a tinfoil Maybe antenna. Zimbabwe. Central America, 4. Australia, 2. We got two down under. Should we put New Zealand on there, too? Well, why not? Sure. It's not a... It's, huh? Sure, why not? I it's like a separate place. Yes, it is. We got a pair in the Middle East, a Jew and a Lesbianese, or maybe just an Arab and a Jew. Asia, too, and South America, still only one. Probably in uh, Paraguay. This is Neil probably Rogers. Attention. Like this Jesus. is 560 QAM. David's a bitch. Now, see here. I ain't never said no. DB, that movie, The uh, Neighbor, with Rod Steiger and okay. Linda Kozlowski. Oh, how about that? You know who that is? Yes, I do. Mrs. Hulk Hogan, for a while, anyway. Well, how do you like Not that? Hulk Hogan, oh, she sorry. was married to Paul uh, Hogan. Dog the Bounty Hunter? No, Paul Hogan, the other one, oh. the Aussie. John Hogan, the driver? Yeah. Of sorts. Linda Kozlowski is in there with Rod Steiger and Ron Lee and Benjamin uh, Sherinian, or somebody like that, and a bunch of other people nobody ever heard of. It's a pretty good flick. Now, it only gets an IMDb 5.4 out of 10. That, that's, it's better than that. 
And then, of course, the first review here it gives it 10 out of 10. Great acting by Rod Steiger. And Rod Steiger in that movie, which he's mostly bald at this point, which I guess he was the last 40 years of his life. And he looks, if he don't look like old Chicken Neck, Boca Brian, would like, it's just amazing. Just watch the movie and you'll see, hey, that's uh, Chicken Neck. You've never seen it, though, huh? No. So How about I recall it? It really sounds familiar. I'm I might have, have to send that to you, too, boy. You better, you better uh, stash away some time there. Or just I'll lock myself in. I'm married. I don't have much to do. No comment. That you want to do. Right. The man suspected of killing 60-year-old John Bonet kept children at a home daycare center he operated in northwest Alabama. The state welfare agency said today, Hamilton, Alabama. Oh, that sounds like your kind of place. If you love North Carolina, you're going to love Hamilton, Alabama. Uh, Ever driven through Alabama? No, I can't say that I have. I have, real fast. Never been there. I don't think I've ever been Driven through Alabama, Mississippi, and the Panhandle. i got a handle on it. The Marion County Department of Human Resources issued a license for John Mark Carter to begin operating a daycare out of his rural home in June 97, said John Bradford, a spokesman with the Alabama Department of Human Resources. He said the Sheriff's Department conducted a background check before the license was issued. No problems were found in it. Carter didn't receive any complaints before the two-year license expired in 99. We do know he kept children, but it's really hard to get a handle on the number, he said. It's kind of hard to get a handle on the children. Car 41, bada beep, bada boop, he was living with his ex-wife in Hamilton at the time of the murder. Carr, who was working as a teacher, was arrested. We know that. He's agreed, but we put a boob. Anything else? No. So he had a daycare center in Hamilton, Alabama. Just little pieces of the puzzle, all you Sherlock Holmeses out there, all you uh, detectives trying to put this together. Aren't, isn't that what they're doing? Yes, they are. I'd rather, I'd much rather spend my time watching those lectures by Noam Chomsky now that I've become a real intellectual old fag, but uh, I'll send those to you, those videos. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get those. And also The Neighbor with Rod Steiger. How do you like that? Sound I think great. Josh would like The Neighbor. Is that right? I'll let you know. Yeah. Anybody get naked in it, like Linda Kozlowski? Uh, uh, I don't remember. I know he has her like spread eagle out there. He's trying to he's trying to kill her baby. Well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna. Oh, yeah, don't ruin it. Well, he's trying to kill her baby. Okay. He's got this anti-baby thing, man. He's got a problem with that because he was in love with his mama and mama died. I see. Mama said there'd be days like days like that. A well-known national handwriting expert said Monday he is 99.9 percent certain. That John Mark Carr wrote the ransom note found near the scene of John Bonet Ram, Ramsey's uh, body. Oh my God! Most guys are riding the fence," said Kurt Baggett. Hey, Kurt Baggett, the Texas-based co-founder of the School of Forensic Document Examination. I wonder if he's related to Jack Baggett Jr. But there are at least a dozen traits that match up perfectly when comparing a high school yearbook signed by Carr and the ransom note. At least a dozen traits that match up perfectly. Did you hear that? I heard. Some of those traits are fairly common. Others are rare, he said. There are so many similarities that it pushes the odds up into the seven digits. To put it another way, Baggett said the chances are a million to one that somebody other than Carr wrote the ransom note. Did you get that? I got it. S-B-T-C. L-S-M-O-L. What is it? Lucky Strike. M-F-T. Means fine tobacco. Let's start playing some cigarette spots. That'll piss everybody off. For Newport's in Salem. It's like a spring forest, man. Anyway, the issue of handwriting could be critical if DNA evidence in the 10-year-old case proves inconclusive. What might, uh, what might most connect the killer of the scene is the ransom note. Other experts are less certain than Baggett about the note's origin, and they expect competing testimony should the case ever go to trial. Handwriting expert Peggy Walla, also from Texas, I bet you she's from Walla Walla, said the issue is burning up the Internet as experts write back and forth. I wonder if she knows David Seville, because remember what the witch doctor said? Ting, tang, Walla Walla, bing, bang. Remember that? Coming right up. You got The Witch Doctor by David Seville on Liberty Records. And you know who else was on Liberty Records? Speaking of uh, John Mark Carr and his attorneys, Patience and 
Prudence. Prudence. I don't have the witch doctor. And what's the story with those two uh, dyke, I mean, those two law, uh, lady lawyers? I know that one of them was his attorney in 2001. You see that? Yes. I don't know whether it was patience or prudence. There are groups that, uh, of us that are working on this internationally, she said, meaning handwriting experts. We have little arguments like, no, I don't see this, I don't see that. Wallace said she studied under Baggett, that he's regarded as one of the nation's top handwriting authorities. He said he's provided expert testimony in court cases in all 50 states. Boulder police all, almost immediately suspected John and Patsy Ramsey, yada, yada. Experts ruled out Ramsey as the writer of the note, but some questions remain concerning Patsy because of the handwriting. Remember that? They thought it was her handwriting, mm -hmm. but she was just a Patsy. Lining up behind Baggett in his assessment is his son, Bart. Bart Baggett was president of Handwriting University, an organization that trains and certifies handwriting experts. Isn't that a great name, Bart Baggett? Mm -hmm. There are a lot of similarities, Bart Baggett said from his office in LA. Quite a few, actually. Significant similarities. When I saw the yearbook, he says, it was shocking. It was wow. The similarities are more than just a chance in your pants. I would definitely lean toward Carr being the author of this note. Still, he said he'd like to see originals, a lot more samples from Carr before sticking his head out too far, like a turtle, like an uncircumcised Latin American. We do most of our business by fax, he said. Usually you can tell, but in this case, there's so much weighing on it, it would be great to get more samples. So what, well, what does that tell us? It tells us that the most, the, the most uh, well-believed guy, what's the guy's name? Jack Baggett Jr., Kurt Baggett. He says the chances are many. So it goes to show you what kind of a science it is, huh? If the mm -hmm. one guy says chances are million to one that it could be somebody else, and then the other people are saying, well, but a beep, but a boop, but, you know, like that, right? Just like right. that. God. How are we doing on our survey, by the way? 1,200, Have you ever seen that number on there before? Take a look at it now. We read it and weep. Look at it now. 1, 2, 3, 4, 1,230. Don't you don't have that? I have 1, 2, 2, 9. Get out of here. Refresh it, you idiot. Refreshing. What do you got? A slow connection. Obviously. 1, 2, 3, one, two, three 5. Ah, you missed it. I See, did. God is punishing you for hitting Mexicans, man. Prince Green. Oh, for all those disgusting things you said about Mexicans. I can't believe it. I hope that the Mexican-American Foundation comes there and pees on your tortillas. You know something? That taco thing sounds really good again. I'm not, I'm not having one more than pasta, man. Where are you usually when you listen to the Neil Rogers show, either at home or online or on the air or in the air? Broward 365, day 289. There's not that much of a disparity there as we used to think, right? We used to think, oh, the whole audience is in right. Broward, right? Everybody listening to this show is in Broward. we got a few people in Dade, a few Dade heads. Palm Beach, 169. Well, I bet you the Sun Sentinel's proud of that because they're obsessed with Palm Beach. It's supposed to be a Broward County newspaper, but all they know from is Palm Beach this and Palm Beach that. And by the way, Sun Sentinel, they hate you in Palm Beach. They like the post. Florida outside of the S3 uh, Tri-County, 152. Maybe we got some people in Monroe County, you think? It's possible. They can be. hear it. They can hear on it on the, the on air. Bounce. I missed the day when we were on that Key West station, uh, the one that where the tower oh, yeah. had fallen down. Those were the days. That was IOD, man. That was cost broadcasting for it. We're going to really give you some real, a real shot in the arm, Neil, some real promotion. We're simulcasting your show on a Key West station. Now, there is a little problem. There was a big storm there, and the uh, tower is laying in a prone position flat on the ground, so nobody can hear it. But, boy, it's going to be great when you're on. You'll be the best in Key West. USA outside of Florida 128. I don't listen 43. They're just a schmooze on our website, vote on the poll, and generally are a nuisance. In outer space 37. I hate this poll 15. Canada 10, which means me and nine. Europe 6. All right. Maybe they're listening on the, in, the, in the Internet Cafe in the dam rack. Only there's no speakers there. How do you like that? On the dam rack. You ever been in that dam square? Not lately. Well, why don't you go to Amsterdam? Get off your ass before you croak. Yeah. Mexico 5. Josh, listen, if Josh can afford that... HD big screen TV, he can afford to take you guys to Amsterdam, where you'll be safe. How about it, Josh? 
Or maybe I'll take it to Louis in the Bronx. Mexico, five. Africa, four. Oh, that, that is amazing. Central America, four. I bet you we're bigger than Honduras, man. You think? It's Co- maybe be. it's in Costa Rica. Maybe some of them are perverts down there in Costa Rica are listening. Australia, two. Two in the Middle East. A Jew and a Gentile, obviously. Asia, two. South America, one. And New Zealand, on so far. Everything in the Middle East has got to have at least one Jew and at least one Gentile. This is Neil Rogers. Maybe there's two Semites. This is 560 AM. It's the one to two The cops pulled over now. The cops pulled over now. One of the cops said, Is that alcohol I smell? And when they'll answer yes, I'm kind of drunk, I guess. That's when he had to take a breathalyzer test. To a tube Mel Blue, he blew a point one two. That's when he stopped and asked the cop, Are you a Jew? Cause if you are a Jew, I don't think I like you. Hitler had the right idea in 1932. Boys, now Mel's feeling bad. He'll check into rehab. But if he wants a ride there, he will have to call a cab. Hey, Mr. Mel Gibson. Okay, 103 at 560 WQM. 1249 have checked in there on our survey. We can get to that 1300 by 1 o'clock. That'll put a real feather in our crap, won't it? Sure, why not? Great. That'll be outstanding. And it is mild, like Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. How about uh, those cancer sticks, camels? I'd walk a mile for a camel. Would you? No. Carr's mother tried to kill him, family friend says. Oh, and speaking of John Mark Carr. Attention of the Boulder DA, and that was Professor. (laughs) Oh! And you wonder why the public is dumber than sawdust, dumber than a box of rocks? Oh, Jesus. The mother of the suspect in John Bonet Ramsey's murder trial uh, tried to kill him when he was only a baby, a family friend told ABC News. And I see that I didn't. Uh, by the way, thanks very much to whoever sent me that information about, because uh, I'm not 100% computer literate like I should be, about how to print out the stories without losing the right margin there on the landscape instead of portrait thing. Because I've done many of the stories that mm-hmm. way, uh, including the Robert Fisk one today, so I could read the story. This one, I forgot to do that. Oh, it really frost my ass. Well, Internet Explorer is the Antichrist. Yes, it is. And I go on Firefox, and I have the option of portrait or landscape. And if you go on the landscape thing, on the Lansky one. <laughs> what? The Meyer, oh, here we go again. Let's start with Meyer Lansky again, just because I saw that thing on biography <laughs> for crying out loud. On the streets of heavily Jewish Miami Beach, Lansky became an elder statesman, a living legend. The most pious Jews in the world in Miami Beach who are the holiest people to whom God is everything. Even God wasn't close to Maya Lansky. As soon as they saw Maya Lansky, forget about God, dish with God. They used to worship him, follow him, look at him. If he walked down the street, they would talk about how slow he walked, how fast. Did he have a dog, a cow, a horse? Did he sit down, get up? What time? One time we're in this little deli down in Miami Beach. And these two young boys came up with yarmulkes on, and they were kind of looking at my grandpa, and I was kind of standing in the background. And they came up and said, Mr. Lansky, we'd, uh, we'd like to get your autograph. And he kind of looks at him seriously, and oh my God, he goes, well, what did I do, an Academy Award? And I said, well, we figured it would be worth some money someday, Mr. Lansky. And he said, no, son, I don't sign autographs. I don't sign autographs. Now, wasn't it one of his, like, uh, kids or grandkids or somebody got shot in the forge 20 years ago? In the forge, forge head? Forge, in the forge restaurant on oh, the beach, know. you know, the place where they have those uh, potatoes that they heat up in a microwave at 600 degrees. 
Anyway, John Carr's mother, Patricia Elaine Adcock, I wonder if she's kid of Joe Adcock, who used to play for the Braves first base and was later a manager, made a big round donut of kindling and put him in the middle of it, said George McCrary, 76, who said he's known Carr's father, Wexford Carr, for 40 years. She made a big round donut of kindling and stuck him in the middle. Oh, we could play Burning, uh, what's that Elvis song, Burning Love? Sure. You got it? I got it here somewhere. Coming right up. She just boxed the little baby in and tried to light it. She boxed him in like in a harness racing, man. She boxed him on the inside and wouldn't let him out. I bet you Dick McCumber remembers those days. There you go. It was a burning love, man. She had a burning love for John Mark Carr. Oh, and I did such a good talk up there, too, in your chopper. What a jackass, man. Shoot him, Josh. Let's shoot him. Still counts. Jackass. No, but they didn't hear it. They don't know. They're not the experts like we are. Forget about it. Elvis is still dead, by the way. He had two and alls, and uh, what was the other thing in the system? Uh, the lottery. Three and alls. Four and alls. That's what uh, earlier when you were out of the room, and I said, and Josh said that you were taking a quattro. See, Adcock was later committed to a mental. I don't want to see it. To a mental institution. Uh oh, uh oh. His mother was committed to a mental institution. Be very wary of people whose mothers were committed to a mental institution. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what if their mothers she should have died been? in 2000, according to an obituary in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Attempts by ABC News to reach immediate members of the Carr family were unsuccessful. Let me say it again. Unsuccessful. McCrary told ABC News he was speaking independently. While he's been a close friend and confidant of Wexford Carr for four decades, McCrary said he hasn't spoken to him since news broke last week of John's apparent confession, yada, yada. I'm doing this because I love John, and I love the family. I want people to know that while he certainly has some serious problems, John is a good human being. Remember the human beings and nobody but me? Coming right up. And I love him, and I'll stand by him, McCrary said. In fact, they've used that record on more TV spots, probably than any other song, Nobody But Me. There it is. Know it. Capital Records, baby, a medley of their smash. Nobody, let me say it again, nobody but me. No, 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 in a series of exclusive, let's see, from the time his mother tried to kill him, he's been out and out paranoid that somebody is going to try to kill him or take advantage of him. In a series of exclusive interviews over two days, McCray painted an enigmatic portrait of a brilliant and amiable but troubled young man whose romantic relationships and fixations were explosive. Well, his first wife was, what, five days old when he married her? Yeah. Yeah. She, she said, a, yeah, but who's going to feed us? She was an abortive that, That's bad. Two explosions rocked a bomb recycling plant in Louisiana in... Doyline, Louisiana. Yeah, a bomb recycling plant? For. So as far as we know... Well, you know what bombs do, don't you? They explode. You know what these did? They exploded? Yeah. Highways near Camp Minden, that's Interstate 20, U.S. 80, Doyline. Louisiana 164. That's right up there. Yeah, Reverend from Doyline. Blocked. We'll keep our eye on this situation for you and keep you updated. Isn't that what Reverend Kennedy's got up there at Coral Ridge, the Goyline? Anyway, only one more, and I'm going to move on. I don't want to spend, like, hours and hours on this, because if you, if you want to hear all the crap... Oh, look at that. Dutch prosecutor is going to release those 12 men. They, they were just checking out who had the best cell phone, that's all. Who had the best headgear and who had the best cell phone. You see that special they had the other night about the uh, Indian guys that leave Canada and they go to India to um, marry these rich, uh, to get the dowry. They marry oh, yeah. these rich families. And mm -hmm. then they dump the broad and they come back here without her. What is the money? Yeah. That's a good scam. And, of course, we know about the Indian women. If, they, if their family is poor and can't afford a uh, big dowry, bada bing, that's it. I thought you set fire to the bitch instead. You put her, you surround them with kindling, and you create a burning love. Now, let's see. The Indians, they're sick. That's why some of them smell like that, like that curry powder. Uh, sick and Hindu and uh, some Muslim, of course. Of course, they got a billion people there now, right? I guess. I haven't counted lately. Oh, you better start doing your India homework, man. There's some really hot Indian people, I'm telling you right now. Are there? There are. 
Well, that's uh, that curry powder, man. It makes your skin just boil. You get a burning love. You see, you don't, you don't know. Now, how many Indians have you got? I'm talking about not American Indians. I'm talking about India, Indians. Here we got. Must know all of them. Oh, we got all kinds of Indians here. Indians, Pakis, all kinds of turban heads, towel heads, rag heads, shmata heads. Quintana Ray was just 12 years old when she met John Mark Now, you've seen that blonde chick. You've seen her on all over the two. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cute. But she doesn't say much. The 41-year-old, within a year against her parents' wishes, she and Carr, then 19, were married. He was 19. She was 12. Well, actually, when they got married, she was 13 already. So what are you getting all upset about? Right? Right. Today, she talked about her ex-husband in an exclusive interview on Good Morning America. This is yesterday. Ray said she met Carr at a party in Hamilton, Alabama. See, that's where he was with his uh, daycare center. And he proceeded to seduce her. His parents, Melissa and Larry Schatz, said they were opposed to the marriage. I wonder if he's related to Dr. Fred Schatz or maybe just the whiskey shot. The couple had a lengthy battle with Ray's parents over the relationship. According to Ray's parents, Carr became more defensive and threatening as they continued to oppose the couple's plans. And Ray said Carr became a different person after they were married. I believe he loved me, she said. He loved me. But her marriage to Carr lasted less than a year. Oh, that's kind of like the, uh, the what's it called, the, uh, the brought out there at the 7-Eleven. The what runaway bride. bride. Oh, I love Jennifer. Her. Remember that? I love, love Yeah, that's mm. it. But her marriage to Carl lasted less than a year. That year, according to Ray, was a tumultuous one. I was drugged, and things were done to me without me having any idea, said Ray, who's now married with a four-year-old child. Oh, fixed, fixed the sterilization, man. I'm telling you, that's the only hope for the human race. Starting in trailer parks, in 1985, after nine months of marriage, Ray filed for uh, an annulment, complaining in court that court records she was fearful for her life and safety. She's kind of cute, actually. Do you see her? Yeah, not bad. She's all right. I'll rape her. In response, filed with what wouldn't be the first time. For either one of you. In response filed to the court, Carr contested Ray's age, saying she was, in fact, 14. A judge later granted the annulment. Carr later married a second time to Laura Carr, who was 16 when their twin daughters died the day they were born, September 1st, 89. And let me say it again. None of these stories, I heard it in one place only, that they talked about the fact that he delivered them at home, the twin daughters. Okay. And their last words were, I'm dying over here. Probably in a slightly higher register. Maybe that was Barbara Starr or Hank who just said that. You know, that's really something. I'm dying over here. Remember how many years ago that guy did die? One of our callers from IOD, and then somebody called in to report that he died. Don't, don't be saying stuff like that, because then you wind up dying. Ray also told Good Morning America that Carr frequently talked about young girls. He had fantasies about little girls he would talk to me about. Carr awaits extradition from California to Colorado to face first-degree murder charge and kidnapping charges for the Ramsey slaying. In addition to the first-degree murder, the counts against Carr and a sealed probable cause of arrest warrant include felony murder, first-degree kidnapping, second-degree kidnapping, sexual assault on a child, and having a pear-shaped ass. How do you like that? I know the last part's true. This is Neil Rogers. This is 560 QAM. Fans. It's the 2006 QAM Mercedes-Benz Grand Slam inning contest. If a Marlins player hits a Grand Slam in the fifth inning, you could win a two-year lease of a Mercedes-Benz C230. For more information and to enter, log on to WQAM.com today. The 2006 Mercedes-Benz Grand Slam inning contest from Sports Radio 560 QAM. If there's a butt, I smell it. Did you guys hear that? Follow constrictors, cobras, and asps. They never had tickets for business class. Might on row one, a rattler and two. I'd like to complain, but they've bitten the crew. It's the worst flight I ever had. An anaconda hugging my dad. Sam Jackson, 
I think I said 1270, because we got 1200. Let's do it again. Huh? WGVA, Geneva, New York, 1240 on AM. I wonder if it's still on the air. It must be. I just Googled it. 119 at QAM. Now, let's see. They're showing about how Apple is recalling 8 trillion computers here because the uh, batteries are effective and they're going to blow up in your face. It does not use these batteries and does not anticipate any recall of its own. But as far as Sony's own laptops are concerned, the company has not announced a recall of that product, at least not yet. But well, thank God for that. Apple says Sony lithium... Ion batteries could catch fire. Oh my God! They could become. Aiming. I, I like this uh, thing here. You know what else I like? I like the fact that I didn't take any. I never even came close to thinking about taking a call today. I shut the monitor off before we started. And you know what else I'm thinking? Because I've been doing this all summer long. Once I come back on full time on Monday 9/11. Mm-hmm. Coincidence? Monday 9/11. Right. I don't know if I'm going to take any more calls. Oh no, that would be. Tragic that somehow. means, you know, when I take a day off or I'm on vacation, that'll be the opportunity for all of those people who are just, <laughs> who are, yeah, to um, I have no life. share with you all the stuff. And then we'll probably get a lot more faxes that way, too. In fact, I just heard, do you hear that beep? Right. I just That's my me. machine, my, my mm-hmm. good fax machine, at least one of them. I was going to have a spare. And that's whatever the hell you just sent me there. Or else maybe it's an uh, ad fax, which it damn well better not be. Read over and see what it is. Oh, it uh, says something you sent me. I told you. Mm-hmm. Thought this was a good time to check in due to today's poll topic. Just moved to Greensboro, North Carolina. Oh, I'm so sorry. And have been an 18-year listener to your show. Thanks, God. Who is this from? Does it have a name on it? doesn't have a name on it. Oh, Christiana. First thing I did last Tuesday was tune in via the Internet. Sounds great. Oh, thanks, God, for that. I'll try to convert some of the hillbillies into Neelys if, I, if they have the Internets. P.S. Sorry I got George in trouble a few years ago when I faxed the bald picture of Mo. Oh, no. Thank you for the bald picture of Mo. And by the way, no more Mo, no more uh, Crow, and no more uh, Joe Rose. Joe, and who else? But instead, we got Bo and uh, Kenny. Kenny and Bo. See, Kenny, you've got to change his name. Maybe we could put Joe Bell on here with the Bo. Joe and Bo. You like that? In fact, didn't we once have a show called the Joe and Bo Show? Yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, we did. 560 WQAM presents the Joe and Bo Show. But they didn't get along, so I guess that's not a good idea. So thanks a lot, Christina, Christina or Christiana. I'm on poor. And CNN, by the way, is in the uh, hysteria business, the fear-mongering business. They had a two-hour special last night instead of your buddy. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, something about Osama, Osama, your mama. And, and then they, after that, they finished uh, another hour of terror and fear, and they're going to come in. The boogeyman's going to get you. Look under the bed before you go to sleep tonight. Stuff like that. So I would certainly disagree with Noam Chomsky, as brilliant as he is about that one point, because the kids asked him about, you know, how does how does the government control the media, and he said that they don't. Oh, surprise. Of course, that was in March of 2002. Uh, I guess we've all learned a lot since then, you know. He's intimidating, you know what I mean? But but he's not he, he's not like, uh, who was the jackass that was on that uh, uh, PBS series, Outer Space? What the hell was his name? Carl Sagan. Oh, who spoke like he hadn't had a good yeah? He spoke like he hadn't had a good BM in like fifty years, you know, right. like Richard Quest. Well, he's dead now, so Ooh, Richard Quest. Oh, we can no. only pray. Oh, please, <laughs> please call me in the middle of the night if you find out. Any, whenever it happens, I want to be the first to know when old donkey puss uh, croaks. Richard Quest. Anyway, like I started to say, I do like this story. For this year's crop of college freshmen, Starbucks has always been around the corner. America's Funniest Home Videos has always been on TV. And men named George Bush have been president for more than half their lives. 
Born in 1987, the freshman attending their first college lectures around the country this term grew up with pay-per-view TV and voicemail on their phones, dirty dancing at school proms, and the U.S. is the only superpower. Oh, no, we got some other butchers out there. Of course, they're all like uh, satellites of the U.S., you know, like Israel and Turkey, and like uh, Saddam used to be. Puppets of the U.S., butchers, slaughterers. Those are some of the cultural landmarks on the Beloit College mindset list, not what I just said, but what I read before. Uh, an annual compilation that offers a glimpse of the worldview of each incoming class. Rhymes with ass. You know, we can say ass. I think you ought to remind me. In fact, that one bit we just played about ass on a plane. Ass. Okay. Get your ass on a plane and have a good flight. The list was released yesterday by the private school, Beloit College in Beloit, Wisconsin, a school of 1,200 in the southern uh, Wisconsin city. The class of 2009 has never known Andy Warhol, seen Jimmy Swaggart preach on TV, or watched Arsenio Hall. Oh, that's how lucky they are. Jimmy Carter, that's just another name people throw around, said Abby Angabos, 18, who was going through orientation Tuesday on the school's 40-acre campus. Technologically savvy, the students grew up with home computers, digital cameras. I'm going to have to get mine. Uh, I'm going to have to start using mine. Send you some pictures. Please. And souped-up car stereos. Cable TV has always been powerful and has blurred the lines between news and entertainment. Did you see that, Sharon, that the GM is bringing the Camaro back? Did you see that? No. The new muscle cars, man. The right. new Camaro is coming back. It looks really good, huh? Let's hope it looks good, because, you know, they don't always. It does back. look good. It looks oh, okay. uh, I've I, I seen it. Okay. Not not like a real one, but I've seen it on TV. Like most of the men in this class, Joe Ehrenbrack, 18, of Pella, Iowa, admitted he didn't know how to tie a tie. He doesn't even own one. Oh, and you know who they took? Uh-oh. Look out! Look out! I called Geico, <laughs> expecting to get a recording, but someone was there to help me. Help me! Somebody help me! Geico got my claim in the works right away, and I was actually able to enjoy my Thanksgiving. Little Richard, man, he did the best. How old is he, 100? Oh, he's 200, easy. Now, what the hell was I just saying? Something very important before I interrupted with that spot. The list reminds older generations. Oh, I was going to say about Tucker Carlson, though, who's just Tucker. No more Carlson, just Tucker on MSNBC. And no more Bowtie, either. And he's still a jackass, and he still sucks. And his show is still a bomb. Uh, Not the bomb, but a bomb. And it's going to be off soon. What are you thinking, Dan Abrams, you idiot, you lunatic? I think Dan Abrams must be on the payroll at CNN. The list reminds older generations what's happened in the last 18 years and aims to educate professors about the lives of their young students, said Tom McBride, a humanities professor at Beloit, who has compiled the list for seven years. It reminds them that if they're going to teach Watergate, they have to explain what it is first, he said. That's right. How many people out there do you think know who uh, Chuck Colson is or John Dean or uh, John Ehrlichman, Ehrlichman, Mitchell, Haldeman, and Dean, huh? I wish I still had that record somewhere. There's a song called Holloman, Ehrlichman, Mitchell, and Dean. It was great. Anyway, Ron Neef, the school's director of public affairs, who helps edit the list, said it has practical uses. Branches of the armed forces and churches have used it in training young officers and ministers. It is a window into their lives, Neef said, emphasizing that the list is not meant to be a chronology of events. Lizzie Starr of Wellesley, Mass., said one listing really hit home for her, that Boston has been working on the Big Dig Road construction project her entire life. The 18-year-old said she used to take the bus to the airport to avoid driving through the city. Ever been to Logan Airport? It's a dump. Okay. As for Starbucks, they've been there as long as I can uh, remember. Where the hell is the next page? As long as I can remember, said Leah Knoll, 17, of St. Paul, Minnesota, who drank her first Frappuccino in the seventh grade. You think I'm going to croak before I get my first Frappuccino? I, I don't think they got them with, like, diet. You know, I, I can't they, have the sugar. They do. They do? Yes. That's what I have. They have low-carb Frappuccino. Get out of here. It's Starbucks? I'm telling you. They have I'm sugar, giving me one today. Are you lying? I'm dying. Wait a minute. Lying. It's sugar-free. That doesn't mean that there might be, not be something else in there. So check. Like Ask. Check your ass before oh, you know, go there's there. lots of ingredients in there. Like, uh, I don't know, like whipped cream. Does that have sugar in it? 
Of course. Well, it has whipped cream. Yeah, so then what's the so point of having, like, locale? Don't order it with whipped cream. You know what that's like? No sugar added ice cream. Have you ever right. seen that in the supermarket? Uh-huh. No sugar added. And then you look on the list, carbohydrates, 744,000 grams, you know. Right. Well, what's the point? Who are you kidding, man? Instead of worrying about stuff like that, go to Stogie's and put a big fat one in your puss. Stogie's continues to be South Florida's top cigar shop with one of the broadest, the biggest, the most unmatchable inventories containing an outstanding, unmatchable selection of the top. Oh, they got over a 1,000 open boxes of great cigars. Like Perdomo, Ashton VSG, Arturo Fuente, Padron, Monte Cristo, Romeo and Julieta, and lots more. Like it used to say in the old copy, Julieta. All you Yentas out there, get a Romeo and Julieta. And not only have they got the top names, but they've also got special hard-to-find stogies and obscure cigars that you just won't find in every 7-Eleven. Buy your premium cigars for the price of seconds and stay a while. Enjoy a smooth smoke at Stogie's Wine Lounge featuring Pierre Andre, a 100% Pinot Noir, and lots of other fine wines from around the world. Try the wine. Stogies you'll find at 116-12 North Kendall Drive, just a half mile east of exit 20 off the turnpike. Open every day, seven days a week for your smoking and dining pleasure. Call today to reserve your favorite cigars at Stogies, 305-598-9820. I think that that, that thing about restaurants with cigar bars, I think that that thing is a passe, right? I don't know. It was very popular for a short time, like that restaurant. Uh, I think there's still around. Geldy did know. the spots for it, right. and then they went out of business because people couldn't stand Geldy's voice. That one. Stogies, call 305-598-9820. When you stop into the shop, be sure and say hi to Mario and the girls. Sandra and Heather, they'll give you a free one and a free cigar, too. That's Stogies at 116-12 North Kendall Drive in Kendall. This is Neil Rogers. This is 560 QAM. Floridians, dumb as dirt. Back in the day when someone done us wrong, we didn't take their crap. In Pearl Harbor, when the Japs dropped their bombs, we bombed them back. And now the Saudis, they hit us hard. And on our cars, our little flags wave. As that Saudi-loving retired voice of bombers the wrong way. And I'm embarrassed to be an American Where they follow bush like sheep The United States of arrogance Led by Bush and his family Green, they got this country And the late toys the darkest days in our history I don't want to be a Pax American In the USA What's a few thousand innocent lives? Stop living in the past. If you want that SUV to drive, you're gonna need more gas. It's the greatest country in the world. They train us to believe. And anyone who says that, obviously, can't afford to be. And I'm embarrassed to be an American Where we patriotically Wave a flag in one hand With our head in the sand And blindly follow the powers that be Apathetic Watching state front news On a 65-inch screen 
Scratch her butt, everything's okay. England, USA. Well, 198 people have checked in on today's pool. We're going to make that 1300 if it's the last damn thing we do. If Curtis has to wait till 245 for us to get done, but he won't. Where are you usually? When you listen to the Neil Rogers show on the radio or on the internet, of course, the you know on the radio we don't really care that much, right? Right. Broward three eighty six, three eighty six, day two ninety nine. So not not that much of a difference, right? And that goes to show you, there's at least two hundred ninety nine people in Dade County who speak English or Yiddish. Is Josh still got a coffee tick? No, two. Tom Beach one seventy eight. That's pretty heavy duty. They must be all in Boca, wouldn't you think? I would West imagine. Palm, Boynton Beach, sure. Delray Beach, Lake Worth. Oh God. Florida outside of Dade Broward and Palm Beach, 155. USA outside of Florida, 138. Aren't they lucky? I don't listen, 44. I'm in outer space, 40. 40, we got 40 space cadets. I wonder if they're on Pluto, or maybe they're on Uranus. I hate this pool, 15. Canada, 10. Europe, 6. Who was saying that to me the other day about, uh, they don't, those Canadians, oh, I know that. Somebody, that a good friend of yours, who was up here recently, he said, I don't see them sitting in that A thing. Uh, yeah, of course, no, no. How's it going, A? They all say that. Europe, 6, Africa, 5, Mexico, 5, Central America, 4, Australia, 2, down under, Middle East, 2, Asia, 2, New Zealand, and the South America each have 1. How do you like that, New Zealand? we got somebody in New Zealand, Mon. All right. How's it going, that exciting or what? 1298, that's really great. Next time I refresh it, I bet it's 1300. I refreshed it, and it's 1302. Isn't that good? That's excellent. Josh is pretty proud of that, and if he wouldn't have been trying to say cuffway tick for four hours, we'd probably have 1400. My bad. Now, getting back to Beloit College and the survey that they did about uh, these punks, I mean, these kids, these college students. Uh, see, that's what happens when you get old. You know a lot of stuff. Most of it's useless and worthless, and you wish you were 20 again, but nevertheless, you can't have everything, right? So at least you know a lot of crap. According to the Beloit College mindset list for college freshmen born in 1987. See, I, I can't even believe that there is anybody born in 1987. Of course, for John Mark Carr, that's uh, like, you know, too old. Liberace, Jackie Gleason, and Lee Marvin have always been dead. <laughs> and away they go. Heart lung transplants have always been possible. Wayne Gretzky, old needle nose, never played for Edmonton. Iran and Iraq have never been at war with each other. They're more familiar with Greg Gumble than with Brian Gumble. Well, big deal. Voicemail has always been available. Whatever is not part of a question. Isn't that cute? Whatever. Exactly. They have always had the right to burn the flag. You see that story about the uh, teacher? Yeah, I saw it. I didn't want to talk about it. I know. What's the point? A big What's the he's, try, he's trying to make a point about free speech to his students, and he burned a flag in a, a wastebasket in the classroom, and right away, bada beep, bada boy, ah, screw all you crazy people, okay? Idiots. Piece of, piece of cloth. How about a doily? See, a doily you can't burn because it makes for good he headgear. If you don't want to wear a yarmulke or a, uh, any kind of another skull cap, put a doily on your head. Sure, nice lacy one. Yeah. All you parents out there that want to make your ridicule your... Uh, subject your kids to ridicule and make them look like uh, idiots. Put a doily on their head and send sure. them out to school. Stealing off grandma's couch. Yeah. They've always had the right to burn the flag. Bill Gates has always been worth at least a billion dollars. Oh, I got a grant. I'll never get to it, though, about Bill Gates. Another one of those stories. Remember the other one I had before about Bill Gates and uh, mm -hmm. Warren Buffett? Right. I'll never get to it. It's on our website by Sheldon Drobny. Common dreams that are. I'll never get to it today. Remind me on Tuesday. Maybe I'll keep it in my pile. It's, wor it's worth talking about again. Not what it seems to be. Nothing like good tax breaks, you know? The Starship Enterprise has always looked dated. Lee Miserable has always been on stage. Or is that Less Miserables? When I was a kid, I used to call it that, Less Miserables. Victor Hugo, boy, snowboarding has always been popular winter pastime. They don't remember a kinder and gentler nation. Well, that's for damn sure. 
They never. And was that the same George Bush that uh, bombed Nicaragua like to pieces and killed all those people? That's the one. Oh, Bush one. Thousand points of. They never light. saw the yeah. A thousand points of blight. Of course, he's good buddies with the Saudis, man. Like that article uh, I read by Noam Chomsky said, the Saudis are the exception because they're our buddies, man. They're okay. They're the good ragheads. They never saw the shuttle Challenger fly. Black Americans have always been known as African Americans. Tom, not, not in my lifetime. They were known as other things. Tom Landry never coached the Cowboys. That's And probably Roger Staubach and Danny White never quarterbacked the Cowboys either, I'm sure. I bet you Josh don't remember Roger Staubach. Is that like some kind of a joke or... Good Navy guy. Well, what, what do you mean it's some kind of a joke? You weren't born when he was playing for the Cowboys. You've heard of him. No, but, you know. What about Danny White? No, I don't know Danny White. Get out of here. He followed Roger Staubach. Don't know no Danny White. Well, Roger Staubach was great, you know. Danny, Danny White was, Danny uh, White. was fine, man. And he could play, too. The Field of Dreams has always been drawing people to Iowa. They never saw Howard Johnson's with 28 ice cream flavors. And Lyme disease has always been a concern in the woods. Huh? Yeah, that, that last one kind of leaves me speechless. For college freshmen born in 87, Lyme disease always been... I, I see. So in other words, no, that's true, man. I mean, Ewell Gibbons, when he was eating all them trees, all that bark, when yeah. he was barking up the wrong tree, he wasn't worried about Lyme disease. I mean, Bud Foster was worried about Lyme time, but certainly not about Lyme disease. When the hell are they going to get those slots going? How come we... we were, I had the Fred Grimm story. How long ago was that? That was days ago, right? Mm-hmm. See, if we still had the crossover with the Humper, we could discuss that with him. Of course, he's not on in the morning anymore, like that setup call we had on Tuesday. What happened to the crossover with Hank? Hank don't do mornings anymore, okay? Starting next Monday, he's going to be back to 4 to 7 in the afternoon, including the most expensive hour in South Florida uh, talk radio, 4 to 5 cross-dress with Mad Dog. How do you like that? All right. Yeah. Now, we got big billboards up all around town. Where's the QM promotion, baby? Let's put the promotion in the basket or they, before they put us in the basket, Joyce. If this place was more, if they put our best feet forward and like, you know what I'm saying? Instead of always, mm -hmm. oh, you can't do that. Remember the Dovells and you can't uh, sit down? Coming right up. I How about the, I Phil, the Phil Up Church, though? I like that one better than the Dovell. That was the original, Phil Up Church combo. In fact, when you go into Wendy's, ask for the Phil Up Church combo. They'll throw your ass out. 1318 on the uh, survey, including three. Are oh, you really believe that? That's the Dovells, isn't it? All right, well, who's this? That ain't either one of them. No, it ain't. It's Otis Redding. No. Chuck Berry. Sounds like Chuck Berry's guitar to me. Doesn't that sound like Chuck Berry's guitar? It does, but they all did. Oh. Here, I'll give you another hint. By the same group. Lee Dorsey. The Electrodes. Oh, okay. I'm supposed to know that? Yeah, you're supposed to know that. Get out of here. Are you a crazy person or what? This is Neil Rogers. Whatever. This is 560. CD Chopper. The OCD crew is up against another tight deadline. Things were going really slowly on the National Institute of Mental Health bike. Seemed like everything was going wrong. Oh, hey, Paulie, you got a little oil on the uh, rocker cover there. Oh, uh, Vinny, no. No, no, no. It's okay. I'll just wipe it up. Hey, hey, hey where are you going? I've got to go wash my hands. One, two, three. And Pop wasn't helping things either. i got to make sure the gas tank fits on the frame. You already checked it. Well, I'm going to check it again. But you already checked it. But i got to check it again. But you already checked hey, it. Hey, hey, Paulie. Now, why don't you go wash your hands and leave me alone? They're not dirty. 
Oh, no. No, no, no. One. When it comes to building custom bikes and every single other thing you can imagine, the Tuttles are obsessed. American OCD shopper. 147. Speaking of Erzatz, you know this uh, Katrina survivor from Louisiana that they've been parading around, this Rocky Vaccarella? Uh-huh. Praising Bush and a wonderful job he did. And went and had dinner with Bush and met him in the White House. And then was had this insipid interview with Rick Sanchez. I just sent it for our website for tomorrow. Uh, total ersatz, total phony. He's a Republican candidate, a Bush supporter, and the whole thing is uh, all BS. I see. Just another uh, photo op, just another lie, Great. but then what's one more? Speaking of liars and BS artists, Jew Lieberman, who's seeking to return to the U.S. Senate as an independent after losing his bid-free nomination by the Democratic Party in Connecticut, is campaigning today with two Republicans in Connecticut. Do you hear what I just said? Campaigning with two Republicans in Connecticut? A message was posted last night at the blog of Democratic challenger Ned Lamont, uh, indicating that Lieberman is campaigning today with Republican Governor Jody Rell and Republican Congressman Rob Simmons, both of whom are up for re-election. Coverage by a, the Associated Press refers to the event as a strategy session to keep the base, the military base in Groton, off the list of uh, military facilities facing closure. Well, at least that's a little more honest, anyway. What a piece of turd that is, man. And the new poll, by the way, showed Lamont only two points behind Lieberman in the latest poll that just came out in the three-way race. You go, Ned. And the Republican candidate, this guy who's... Uh, the card counter? Yeah, the card counter. That guy, the gambler. Oh, guess what movie was on last night? This had nothing to do with my decision not to go to Woodbine anymore, but it had to do with uh, just enjoying the movie because it was a Toronto one movie. Oh, that, uh, that gambling movie with... The uh, gambling with, movie. What's with, his name? With, with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Right. Good movie. What is that called? Uh, yeah, exactly. It was on again last I'll night. I'll go find it. It's still good. Anyway, I got uh, some anti-Walmart crap here that you'll love. Good. Dave Zweifel in the Madison Capital Times in Wisconsin says, I figured something was up with Andrew Young, the former U.N. ambassador and mayor of Atlanta, when he came to Chicago a few weeks ago to fight the city council's plan to require big box stores like Walmart to pay workers a minimum of 10 bucks an hour by the year 2010. Council members didn't think the city should subsidize them, so as so often happens somewhere because of inadequate uh, health insurance and other benefits. Mayor Richard Daly, however, is expected to veto the ordinance any day now anyway. So how come a guy with Young's credentials is on the other side? I have to admit I missed the announcement, but sometime last year, Andrew Young became the chairman of an organization called Working Families for Walmart, from which he resigned the other day, by the way. The group was created and financed by the Arkansas-based John when it decided to take a more proactive role in trumpeting its own story, taking on its long list of detractors. And what better figurehead than a man with Andrew Young's credentials? Well, the one-time civil rights icon has now stepped down from his new role. He just went a tad overboard for the world's largest retailer when in an interview with the L.A. newspaper he declared that ethnic moms and pops have been ripping off poor folks for generations. You see, those are the people who have been overcharging us, he said, of the small, uh, small store owners, and they sold out and moved to Florida. I think they ripped us off. Andy Young is a genuine civil rights hero, going all the way back to the founding of the movement in the late 50s, early 60s. He was a favorite of the Reverend Martin Luther King, Jr., and was with him the day he was assassinated in Memphis. He became a champion of working people during his two terms in Congress from Georgia and then as mayor of Atlanta. So it was strange, it seemed to me, that Young, now 74, would turn up proclaiming it would be unfair for a city to require Walmart to pay $10 an hour wages and at least $3 an hour benefits like health care at the stores it plans to build in some of Chicago's low-income neighborhoods. Young declared that such a city ordinance would chase Walmart... Out of town, hence jobs would be lost for some of those low-income folks in those neighborhoods. A large majority of the council wound up disagreeing, thinking that a $10-an-hour salary for some four years from now is the least to expect from a corporate giant. Besides, while the city wants the uh, company's, uh, what is it? I can't, there's a word missing here. First it was Jews, then it was Koreans, and now it's Arabs is what he said. Ripping off the uh, dark folks. That's what Andy Young said. First the Jews, then the Koreans, now the Arabs. 
A Walmart store in the hood, apparently, would solve the problem with these greedy little guys. The interview naturally caused a huge outcry and embarrassed Young quickly quit the Walmart gig and, to his credit, issued an apology. That's against everything I ever thought in my life. He said it never should have been said. And then it says, that's what happens when good people sell their souls. Uh -huh. If you want to be happy for the rest of your life, make an ugly woman your wife. That's what Jimmy Soul said. Now, what he said, Jimmy Soul? Who? who that was? Jimmy Soul. I'll let you know in a minute. Now, who did that? If you want to be happy. Now, Herman McCain, a member of the Walmart advocacy group Working Families for Walmart, is under fire for a column that compares prominent Democrats to Hezbollah gorilla. In fact, uh, John Kerry ripped him an ass. Is that the Jimmy Soul? Jimmy Soul. Kane, an African-American businessman and radio show host, yesterday posted a comment to the opinion website townhall.com in which he tagged potential 2008 Democratic presidential candidates, including Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden, as Hezbocrats determined to take down Walmart. Kane used the expression Hezbocrats a dozen times throughout the column. And like I said, John Kerry ripped him an ass. A union-supported activist group, Wake Up Walmart, called on Walmart in a press release today to denounce Kane and in its association with a cadre of right-wing operators it currently employs under the made-up name of Working Families for Walmart. Working Families for Walmart, my ass. 153 at 560 WQM. Going back to school can be a little rough on the kids, and a good night's sleep is critical for the development of a healthy mind. If your kids are having trouble adjusting to school night bedtime, maybe it's their mattress. Get them a really good mattress they can sleep into all kinds of fun stuff on. Call Dial a Mattress toll-free at 1-800-MATTRESS. They can recommend a mattress for kids of any age. Have a new bed delivered to date and time, but choose any day of the week, seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. You pick the two-hour window, and they'll be there on time 99.99% of the time. They can even deliver your mattress the same day that you call. That's why they're rated number one in the world in customer satisfaction, and I've been using them for years. Call 1-800-MATTRESS right now. Get the absolute Best selection of Sealy, Serta, Simmons, King Coil, Tempur-Pedic, Stearns, and Foster, all at unbeatable prices. In fact, check for low prices online at mattress.com or call Dial a Mattress toll-free right now. 1-800-MATTRESS. They'll be knocking on your door before you can say, uh-oh, Geldy's on again. 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S. Leave off the last S because it stands for squeaky. This is Neil Rogers. This is 560 QAM. Oh, no. 
Roy, it's happening again. Roy, every time I get excited, it's like the Hulk, you know. It's Mr. Pillow Pants. Ow! I hate you, Mr. Pillow Pants. I know. Now he's stopped now. It's time for me to walk away slowly and very sadly. Very sad. Bye, bye, bye! <laughs>